and crappy at intro, so he just. Oh, it is now. It is. I mean, that's that's, it, that's that's a that's a he he ripped that off from If It Bleeds though, where we never had. Yeah, any. it's no, that's just Bird being Bird, and then like it just became a. Thing I ripped on a it podcast. off of myself. He's too lazy to write like one line like I did for Days of Future podcast. <laughs> we should just have the same intro every time, essentially, and then come in. Like a pre-recorded, this is Bird, this is Matt, this is Kaiju Transmissions, and then we come in, and then we can introduce all you schmucks. Oh, that's not very personable, Matt. (laughs) You know when is a, uh, not a good time to figure this shit out? Bird, this is, this is your intro, you gotta, you gotta roll with it. Oh, okay. Wait, is this the show? Yeah, this is the show. I don't know. (laughs) Can we start already? (laughs) We've been recording for like ten minutes. Good evening. This is another episode of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. My name is Kyle Bird, and I have my co-host with me, my sidekick, or am I his sidekick? You decide. Hi, everybody. It's Matt. I'm drinking beer because I need this. Bird has driven me to drink tonight, so this is your fault. I didn't do anything, man. You were late. I'm just being myself. I'm just keeping it real. Speaking of keeping it real, we're joined by two guests today. Uh, our friends, we have, uh, we have Trev in one corner. Hello, everybody. Um, and if he sounds different, it's probably because he lost a lot of weight and we should yeah, all like congratulate him. <laughs> okay i don't know why it would sound different for that reason but well you, know, you, you know sound you just sound lighter anyway you look great you look fantastic and he's been uh knee deep in ladies ever since yeah thank i'm sure appearing on this podcast will really help with that too yeah. it will also eric lost weight i'm just saying you can't say one without the other eric's back that's all that matters Welcome back to the Americas. Is it better or worse than when you left, Eric? Everything's on fire now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you you might as well have come back to a, the, the aftermath of a real kaiju attack. Yeah, I left one third world country and entered another one. It's great. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> well, America yes. right now looks like the city at the end of Godzilla 2000. He's just blasting it. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Detroit. <laughs> hey. hey! Come on, man. That's <laughs> that's right around the corner from uh, from uh, this part of the KT headquarters. Well, it's good to have you back. Um, I'm sure you're happy uh, to to be back um, uh, from your service. And uh, America thanks you for 
yes. your courageous something. Yeah, man. The only thing keeping me going that whole time was just Us. knowing I had this podcast. Come- yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Not his wife or his one-year-old son. It was us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh... on a second, on a second. We have a really important thing to go over. So, Matt and I are drinking right now. Matt, what are you drinking? Uh, I am currently drinking a. I have a Kieran. Is the first thing that I have, and I also have a Golden Monkey. So, all right. Be, I'll be. I'll be double fisting here in a second. Cool. I'm drinking Varsteiner. It's a German beer. It's delicious. Okay, as you were a bird, sorry. <laughs> Man, you guys are got, have gone international with your drinking today. So, uh, we're going to talk about giant sharks. Um, Woohoo! Yes. Uh, depending on how long we're running, uh, we might split this in two, but we have the Meg, which just came out and uh we also want to talk about the mega shark series from the asylum uh eric just saw the meg and he was all look i go to bed at like 5 p.m or something so if i'm gonna come on we gotta do the meg first and then i'll hop out and you guys can dick around with whatever and we said sure so that's why it's kind of backwards, because we usually do the new thing last, and whatever, whatever. Um, I should say that uh, we had to get Trev on here. Uh, people may or may not know both Trev and myself uh, are shark movie um, enthusiasts. Uh, so, geez, between the two of us, Trev, how many shark movies do you think we've watched? Oh, it's uh, that's too many to count. I mean, between the two of us, it's also a matter of how many shark movies do we own. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think, well, by this weekend, we'll have six Sharknados, four Mega Sharks, Snow Sharks, Sand Sharks, Avalanche Sharks, um, uh, Super Shark, Swamp Shark, <laughs> Atomic Shark. So many. Two-headed Shark Attack. Two-headed Shark Attack, three-headed Shark Attack, four-headed Shark Attack. Robo uh, Shark. Right, a robo shark. Trailer park shark. Atomic yeah. shark. Trailer park shark. That's a good one. Um, uh, there is a Santa Jaws coming out or something. Santa, Santa Jaws, Jaws is on tonight, tonight on Sci-Fi. Ooh. So, Seems like fate. Yeah, I know. It, well, it, it's Shark Week, right? Is it Shark Week? Sharknado Week. Yes. Okay. Don't get too confused. All right. Well, Shark Week just happened then. And then, yeah. There's Here's a better question. Between the two of us... Here's a better question. Between the two of us, how many good shark movies do you think we've seen? I'd say three. Uh, two. <laughs> okay. You're going two? Because I'll say Jaws, Jaws 2, and The Shallows. Okay. I See, I was just going to say Jaws and The Shallows. Yeah. Uh, you guys don't appreciate Deep Blue Sea at all? I do, but uh, I, consider yeah. that like, I consider that like the pinnacle of dumb shark movies, not so much a good shark movie, right, you know? Right. Yeah. There's a vast yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, we've seen <laughs> I, I, probably dozens of shark movies at this point. Like, literally yeah. have seen <laughs> dozens of shark movies. Well, you um, haven't made a compelling uh, case for other people to watch them yet. You're just basically talking about I, how I many there we'll are and that only two are good. <laughs> well, I, I feel like it, I mean, I think anybody listening to this knows if they're a shark movie fan already, you know? And it's, yeah, uh, probably. If, it, if you watch the, if you go online and watch a little, the little like two second teaser that's out for Santa Jaws. It looks amazing. It's either going <laughs> to excite you or you're just going to ask yourself why. 
Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's weird because I think that's something worth talking about. I feel like everybody who loves shark movies, and obviously it is a subculture of, of movie fans because they keep pumping these out. But I think everyone comes at it from the same place. It, it's always you see Jaws when you're younger and you love it. But I think that's also true. Like everybody loves Jaws, but not everybody goes on to watch the rest of them. So I think it's just is like a certain connection that some people have to it where they want to see more. And then you're like, wow, are there other movies like Jaws? No? Oh, okay. But are there a bunch of movies that have the same kind of creature that are a lot stupider? Well, I guess I'll just keep watching those. Yeah, pretty much. Um, well, uh, before we dive in, um, I think we, Trevor, we should take a, a real quick minute here to give shout-outs to our favorite dumb shark movies. Uh, so, um, I think if there's, like... A Mount Rushmore of dumb shark movies. You gotta have Shark Attack Three Megalodon, which predates yes, every the... yeah it, that predates everything we're talking about here. So if you want the giant Megalodon like kaiju size mm-hmm. shark, that one predates all these fools. And just go onto YouTube and type up Best of Shark Attack Three, and you get a sample of what you're in for. Yeah, that's really like one of the first classic bad shark movies. And don't worry about seeing Shark Attack 1 and 2. I mean, you can if you're a completist, but those are like, it's one of those series where it's just a bunch of separate movies with the Shark Attack title yeah. stuck onto them. And it's not a three is, the, three is the real highlight. Um, and then uh, I think Sand Sharks with, uh, what's that? What's the, the kid? Corin, Corin Nemec. <laughs> right. Uh, Parker, Lewis, Parker Lewis himself. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sand Sharks is another classic. I would say um, I'd say Two Headed Shark Attack. Don't don't worry about the sequels, but I think yeah. Two Headed is a great time. Two Headed's really fun. The other ones are, aren't very good. Although we're probably gonna, Six Headed is this week, Trev. I'm, I, we're probably gonna yeah. Have to well, watch I'm gonna it. I'll I, give it I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. Um, and then uh, one that Trev and I what that actually you could tie into this podcast uh, that Trev and I watched. What was it last year? Maybe the year before was Atomic Shark, which. Mm-hmm was released in Japan as Shin Jaws, obviously to capitalize on Shin Godzilla. Uh, (laughs) But that one is a lot of fun, and I think that one is actually, like, it's comedic, but it's also, like, it's it's surprisingly clever. Yeah, we found, so in in our quest to watch these bad shark movies, we found a particular name that popped out to us, and that's Griff First. Uh, G-R-I-F-F, Griff First. He's written or directed uh, a few shark movies. He directed Ghost Shark. He wrote Atomic Shark. And I believe he wrote uh, uh, Trailer Park Shark as well. And those three, I mean, Atomic Shark is the best one. But the thing that kind of unifies his bad shark movies is he seems to have an actual sense of humor. They're not just funny because they're stupid. He's actually kind of in on the joke. And he actually comes up with some really clever humor. And uh, I actually would recommend those people just want to see like good shark comedies. Robo Shark was pretty funny too. Yeah, that's the one where the Robo Shark what it follows the the heroes on Twitter, right? <laughs> yeah, or? they find out it's they find out it's following them on Twitter and Instagram, so they start DMing it, asking it to stop eating them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that's so. And then I would, and then I'd also, and then I'd also say I get that it's played out, and I get people have turned on it, but I'd say the first two Sharknados are are worthy of that Mount Rushmore as well. Yeah. Um, what's the worst one you think you've watched? The worst shark movie? Yeah. But there was that one that we couldn't even finish. We turned off after like was that 25 Planet minutes. Of the sharks? I think it was Planet of the okay. Sharks. It was just too boring for us. I just watched one that I, I have to bring it up because this is, you know, the Kaiju Transmission show. But the there was there's one Japanese one called Psycho Shark, 
that mm-hmm. I watched on Tubi the other day, and it might be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like a found footage movie where, like, half the time, like, the character watching the found footage is fast-forwarding it, and it's it's more of a rip-off of Psycho, where it's just like, it's it's really just like watching hot girls frolic on the beach for an hour, and then someone gets killed, and then the shark is in the last, literally in the last, like, ten seconds. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Matt, though, for discovering that Tubi has, like, a billion the shark movies. movies. They have the Asylum Channel, or is that a <laughs> that's that's on what, Pluto? Yeah, Pluto. So Pluto has the, the Asylum Channel. Tubi has all the a lot of the Asylum movies and all like the mega sharks are on yeah. there for free. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know what? Let's let's narrow it down a little bit. We mentioned Shark Attack Three, Megalodon, and that's that's the star of of tonight. Is the Megalodon a prehistoric giant giant shark? That just swallows its prey whole. It can swallow a blue whale. It's so damn big. Um, and okay, uh, I want to get something out of the other way real quick. Did I get? I was talking about this. With, was that? Well, no, no, no. I, I just want to mess up the size of the shark. No, that's exactly what I want to talk about. Though I was talking about um, <laughs> this concept of people at work today. So, what would a sixty-foot shark do that a twenty-five-foot one wouldn't? Like I. I think there's like a weird, like it's inherently scarier because it's bigger. But when you think about it, it's still going to eat you either way. So it's not going to act much different. Yeah, like and it's actually <laughs> easier to kind of spot. So yeah, but this is America, baby. Bigger is better. You ever been to a monster truck rally? Those are better than regular trucks. They still big. have those. Yeah, You're man, right. I, All right. Actually, I went to one like last year. <laughs> I'm on board the monster the monster truck uh, rally analogy. Holds weight, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, like a regular great white is going to eat what one person at a time, but megalodon can eat like five people at a time. That's true, I guess. But that's a freaking nitpick I have. I need movie. more alcohol for this conversation. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna really nerd it up for a second, and I know this is like totally sidetracking everything, but I have a problem when like animal attack movies when like animals just consume everything like there's no way that animal's still hungry and so eating like you just ate a whale why are you going to a beach and eating everyone like i don't oh that well, megalodon I, yeah. is hungry wait wait hold on if they are american sharks i mean we have a problem with obesity so <laughs> yeah, yeah it's you overeating you know, you know some people even when they're full they're like man dude you know, i totally just did that, that at Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah, that it's a chinese shark. shark though yeah that was so good uh, i'm so full but i gotta have more well I can't chinese stop. food has the opposite problem you're never full when you eat that that's stuff, right so. That was a so long way to set you up for that joke. I got to get Megalodon to come to the gym with me, basically. Like, dude, you got a problem. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is based on um, the a, a series of novels by Steve Alton. What's based on? You haven't even introduced what we're talking about yet. You just start talking about the Megalodon. <laughs> yeah, we're like 30 the minutes Meg- of the fucking podcast. <laughs> the Megalodon creature is not based on a series of novels. Let's talk about the particular movie we're doing. Yes, okay. So the Meg... Uh, is based on a series of novels by uh, Steve Alton. There's something like, what, four of these? Six of these? How many of these? Oh, there's are? more than that, I think. I think at this point... Uh, I, there are seven so far with uh, with an eighth announced, it looks like. Good lord. So, is it like, someone is... They're obviously successful. Is this like, uh, like a yeah, Harry Potter say, thing where everyone's reading? Say, Eric, Eric, am I correct in that the last couple, I believe, have just been like straight to e-reader? So I'm not... Yeah, because I've... 
read up. I thought I read I was current, but apparently there's like two or three more since what I read. So. Yeah, and I think I'm not sure those are even getting like physical publications. I think they're going straight to like uh, Kindles and Nooks. But uh, but yeah, so, I mean it's still it's still a market for it, I suppose. Um, I know both of you have read the first one. Have you guys read any of the sequels? I've well, I just said. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've read, God damn it, bird! <laughs> I think I've read up to three or four. Okay. Did you read the aquarium one? Because I've seen the cover yes. of that one, and it's hilarious. I remember that one actually being pretty good. Um, better than the second one. He just puts them out. I thought there. there were two aquarium ones, though. Because doesn't the second one take place in an aquarium also, or no? Right. Yeah. Maybe I don't remember much about the, these books, but like I think maybe. It escapes and then they get it back in the aquarium. Yeah, I've only read the first one, but I actually own the first four. So the two and th- <laughs> two through four have just been sitting on my shelf for like a long time. Uh, what do you do with a megalodon in an aquarium? Is it like Jaws three? I mean, yeah. What do you do with uh, a shark in an aquarium? You just let it swim around and study it, I suppose. But you just need a bigger tank. We're gonna need a bigger tank. <laughs> oh shit! How many Jaws? horrible jokes can we get into this uh, podcast Ooh, I'm, I'm um, on it i'm on it baby <laughs> uh if i if i recall correctly i think the the shark becomes kind of like the t-rex in the jurassic world series where it's like um kind of like the hero character almost at a certain point well I, the thing that drives me crazy about the series of books and granted i've only read the first one but i've peeked ahead at some of the plot descriptions is I think it's really funny that the hero Jonas Taylor is in all of them. So it's like this one guy keeps having experiences <laughs> with the sh- Megalodons. I think like, that's kind of like, he's like, like uh, I, I like Jaws too, but one of the things that like is kind of crazy about Jaws too is really Sheriff Brody have to fight another shark at some point. And then the rest of the sequels are about his family. It's like, come on, we can have other characters. <laughs> yeah. Family. He's like John, John McClane well, the fourth and, uh, terrorists. But the fourth yeah, the he basically is like, Hey, it's coming for your family, bro. <laughs> Yeah, it's got good internal logic, I guess. Mm. Uh, So the Meg, um, this had a very long journey to the. Yeah, I mean the 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 book was published in 1997. That's that's over 20 years old at this point. Well, and I I think um, I think it was Disney that first bought the rights because they they kind of like wanted it to be like the new Jurassic Park. That was kind of the. I think it's very similar to Jurassic Park in that the movie rights were sold before it was even published. Yeah, and then uh, I know, I mean, like, it switched hands so many times. I know at one point they brought on Guillermo del Toro and he was kind of producing it and then he handed it off to Jan de Bont and then uh, and then I think in the early to mid-2000s it went to another studio and then the rights went back to the author again. And then I think it was a few years ago, um, they said it was going to have uh, a new script. And Eli Roth was attached to direct, but uh, he didn't want to do the uh, a PG-13 movie. And I think that was... Trevor, you're, you follow Eli Roth a little closer than me. Is that pretty much... What happened? Yeah, there? I, well, I mean that the 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 main hubbub, from what I understand, is the PG thirteen thing. Although I guess a, a recent story said that there was also some contention about him wanting to play the main part himself. Um, that would be terrible. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it, I don't know that he's that worse of an actor than Jason Statham. Yeah, well, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can fair. argue That's with that. That's totally fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, apparently the the R rating thing was like a, a big bone of contention for him. I don't I don't know why. We'll get into that. But yeah. uh, um, I was actually kind of bummed that that I remember, I remember when he walked away from it. I was kind of bummed because I think you and I, Bird, have both talked about how we kind of always hope Eli Roth will do something different than what he's done. Yeah. Um, and that seemed like maybe a cool thing for him. But I guess how like now I'm glad because the, House of the Clock and right, Swallows right, looks right. more interesting anyway. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then finally, John Turtletaub of National Treasure fame, uh, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> came on board and la- oh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, three ninja- I, I, three ninjas, cool runnings, phenomenon. Oh man, this guy. I remember the, I remember the day that announcement was made, and the, and the nation went crazy. <laughs> Turtletaub, everyone <laughs> yelled to the skies, so excited that this guy would be doing Meg. Uh, now, um. Uh, it's Matt- actually kind of crazy once this thing sorry just really quick it's kind of crazy once this thing got going how quickly it happened and came out and how we just kind of saw it and we're like yeah, all right well yeah because was, there was there was well, definitely like a long point where we were all i just think convinced it was never gonna happen well yeah i like i feel like every couple years there was a new story about well it the book is just called meg and the movie was going to be called meg and i just every few years it was like meg uh this company gets the rights to meg this guy attached etc etc and i even remember uh when they announced that the title had been changed to the meg i remember we were like what (laughs) why (laughs) uh i'm still not quite clear on that um, i I have some additional like insight there's an article from 2008 that kind of even going back that far was documenting all the changes and stuff in yeah matt i was gonna defer to you because i know you were reading a lot about that earlier well i mean like so uh, disney disney was the one who bought the the film rights before the manuscript was even like before the book was even out and then um then they they found out that the mag made some bad jokes on twitter and they were like "Ooh, we gotta get rid of it (laughs) oh well played well played sir I know that their division, Hollywood Studios, they were looking at, at putting it there. New Line Cinema at some point was involved. And at that point, that's where you had all these different directors coming in and jumping out. I know that the, the author, Alton, was basically like, I know that they altered the script widely from the, the main story from the book. And at one point, they put wings on the shark. I don't know how that would have worked, but they did it. Um, that sounds and then, great. It, it actually sounds kind of awesome. Can When you consider we're about to talk about the Asylum movies. But that oh, that said, sounds awesome! But if I say put wings on Godzilla, I'm the devil. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I deserve that. Um, at that point, they you had all these different directors, different actors attached to it. I know Ken uh, Watanabe, who I'm butchering his name right now, but he was involved at one point, um, and it, they could just never get anything off the ground. Ken's character was actually going to be some sort of Hemingway esque character who basically was trying to hold to the old traditions of whaling, but didn't like the modern approach. And that was going to be the introduction into seeing the shark. Um, but the, the biggest issue was the, the amount of money that, that they pumped into it. It was like at back in the mid two thousands, $157 million. So that's pretty expensive. Even that's today. Really <laughs> well, you know, who and does another- have that money? China. That is correct. And that's a pretty good segue, I think. I mean, that that's kind of the, the gist of what happened. I know a couple of scripts were also rejected because they were too close to Jurassic Park, even in 2004. So, well, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny because whenever we've talked about this before on this show, and, and I know I've talked about you guys about other films, whenever you talk about a film's budget, you're also including the like all the development it went through. And this movie has been in development for over 20 years. I mean, I can't believe anyone wanted to take it on at this point just to inherit all that. The Chinese don't care, man. Yep. 
They want that sweet, sweet box office money. And I, this is like, yeah, I think this is primarily, could be primarily considered a Chinese production. Um, well, yeah, Mickey, you were so fine plays in, like, Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like that song? Like, it comes uh, on out of nowhere, and then you're like, oh, I know this song. And you're like, wait a second, something seems different. Yeah. I find that song irritating, and I also didn't quite understand why they kept playing it in, in this movie. <laughs> no, it did make me laugh when I realized they were playing a Chinese version. Uh, Alright, so the Megalodon... Uh, is um he's i guess yeah this is my plot synopsis for the love of god help me out if you need oh to uh, <laughs> so just the, defer to trev <laughs> okay uh, trev you you handle this <laughs> uh am i synopsizing the movie or the the book Ooh, oh I, do, the, do, the, do the do the i don't know you pick you surprise us trev it's fine well, let, let's do the movie and then afterwards you and eric okay. can talk a little okay. bit about how how the book is different and all that okay yeah that's fine uh so the movie uh the uh features our main character jonas taylor played by jason statham who uh much like the real jason statham is a rescue diver statham's a former rescue diver but uh the movie starts with him attempting to save um a bunch of people in a a, a nuclear submarine that's uh, crashed at the bottom of the ocean and as he's saving it something seems to be attacking the outside of the submarine and he sees like the submarine hull getting crushed and he has to make a in the moment decision to leave some of the crew behind because the ship that he has brought it's docked on the submarine and he can't give them enough time to get to the ship because they're getting kind of tossed about and he's forced to close the hatch and just get out of there to save the people that he has managed to pull onto his ship leaving the others behind to be destroyed by whatever this thing is the problem is he's the only person on this second ship that saw something um, chomping into the into the submarine's hull. So no one quite believes him, and this basically ruins his career. Um, the a, a doctor that was on the ship with him accuses him of going insane during the rescue, and that's why he says he saw a monster. So he basically his reputation, his life is destroyed by this. We pick up five years later at an underwater research facility called the Mano One. And this is a research facility that's been financed by a kind of Steve Jobs-esque multimillionaire played by Rain Wilson, who, uh, I don't know, they don't really give you much backstory on him, but he seems to just want to have the fame of financing, you know, some kind of research facility that will make some kind of exciting discovery at the bottom of the ocean. And the team at the bottom of the ocean, what they have discovered is that the Marianas Trench, the uh, super deep section of the ocean, where what has always been thought to be the floor of the Marisonis Trench is actually just a cloud of hydrogen sulfide. Uh, what do they call it? The, the thermocline? And uh, they d- they've discovered that that's just a cloud that you can actually go through. And there might be a, a whole other like kind of ecosystem underneath that that's never been seen before. So they send a team, uh, three people in a little mini submarine, through that cloud. And sure enough, they find this uh, new ecosystem. But then they are attacked by something. And they are attacked and they lose radio communication with the Mana One, but the Mana One can see that they're still alive based on they're still getting, you know, signals that they have uh, life signs. Well, wouldn't you know it, the captain of that small ship is Jonas Taylor's ex-wife. So they realize that they can get Jonas Taylor to come back and perform a rescue mission. And they tell him, we even we think you're right now. We, it seems that you were right. Something did attack our ship. We're sorry. We were, uh, we were too quick to say you're mad. Uh, please come bail us out. 
So Jonas Taylor comes to the Man of One and sure enough, does this rescue mission to save these three uh, scientists. I guess we won't say yet what happens in that rescue mission. We'll get into maybe some spoilers later. But to make a long story short, they discover that sure enough, there is a Megalodon still alive underneath this thermocline. It's been living all these years underneath the Marianas Trench. And unfortunately for them, the rescue mission also opens up a hole in the thermocline that the Megalodon is able to swim up out of and enter into the ocean proper. And now it is loose. It attacks the Mana One. It then heads towards uh, the Chinese mainland. And because they are responsible for it getting out of this kind of underwater prison it's been locked in for years, Jason Statham and the rest of our main characters take it upon themselves to say, this is our problem we need to kill this shark before it devours basically all of China. That's the basic plot description. Who wants to go first? I volunteer Eric's tribute. Yeah, he, oh, he hasn't been around in a while. We, we, we should see what he has to say. Uh, about the movie, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like, like the animal attacks genre. Um, like I love movies like Prophecy, like the giant were bear pig uh, movie, um, Orca. Um, I had a big affinity for. You guys remember, like in the nineties, they had that TV mini series or special event, the uh, the Beast. Mm-hmm. That was a Peter Benchley thing too, right? Yeah, about the giant squid, yeah, yeah, yeah. squids. Love that. Um, and so I like the books too. Uh, as soon as I heard Jason Statham was cast, I immediately like lowered my expectations. <laughs> quite a bit just knew what movie we're getting um not that the book is like a class act or anything but um the movie trev and i were kind of talking about this before we started recording basically all of the cool shit from the book it kind of takes out for no apparent reason like the book opens with like a flashback of prehistoric times and then meg eats a t-rex why don't we see that? <laughs> now I did before really quick. I did I did read why they decided not to have that in there, and they said that that was that was always in there, like that was always intended to be the opening of the movie, and then they felt that Jurassic World beat them to it by having the scene where the mozo was it mosasaurus. What do you guys know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, where it comes up and and attacks the you know the Indoraptor or whatever the hell that thing is, and they or Indominus Rex. Sorry, so they just felt like they got beat to the punch and like, well, we're not going to do that scene anymore just because it's already been seen last summer or a couple oh. summers ago. Yeah, it's still it's a couple summers ago, and the scene I remember in the book at least um, I was like in my early teens when I read it, so my memory is probably distorted, but I remember having a lot more suspense. Like I think the T-Rex is chasing something and something goes in the water. Then it's like, Oh fuck. No, it goes back on land or something like that. And the T-Rex somehow goes in the water and like, it's just, it builds. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the book is more of your kind of standard animal attacks jaws sort of like, it's taken a lot more seriously. Um, but the characters on the other extent are like kind of more, <laughs> This is going to sound crazy. Maybe Trev will back me up. More wooden in a way. Like, they're just, there's nothing to them. Um, not that there's a lot to the characters in the movie. All I got to say is <laughs> the movie is a big can of meh. I, I, I don't More like really the have... meh. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, the beer is diluting my um, sense of humor, apparently. Uh, not with it right now. But yeah, it's. 
it was there. It was it was a somehow bloodless movie. Like it just it didn't ever get my heart going for the most part. Just kind of watched it. Actually, I try. I kind of did a very long blink at one point, and I woke up several minutes later. So, so you're saying it lacks bite? It, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. It's got no teeth. <laughs> there you go. I know. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go next as the other guy who's read the book. Um. Because I want to piggyback off of what he said. I. I I agree. Like, I don't know that I necessarily needed that opening scene. I kind of get what they were saying, but I agree. They could have also just left it in, but I, I do agree with Eric and him and I were talking about how there was so much stuff in the book that it's just kind of baffling. They changed because it would have clearly been more cinematic and even more like stupid in the right way. Um, it is one of those movies that you look at it and you're like, how did that book turn into this? And that only, like, I mean, basically only the only thing that's actually poured over from the book is that initial idea of Jonas being a like uh, doing a rescue mission and seeing the Meg and having nobody believe him and then coming back later to be redeemed? But, that's that's like the only thing that's that's still there. But in the book, he literally sees the shark. He does, yeah. Like, like in the movie, for me, when he sees like the indent in the side of the sub, which by the way, like I, I don't see how a shark would do that to a metal. Anyways, um, <laughs> I just. It, it takes <laughs> the movie wisely never tries to explain how he sees the, the side of the sub get dented in and he automatically goes, that's Megalodon. Mm-hmm. Like how do you, and at least in the book, he sees a giant shark eat his partner or whatever. And, yeah. And that's merciful. Yeah. I don't know. So there's, there's plenty of things and we'll, we'll probably say a couple more specific ones later, but there's a lot of changes they made. I didn't like, but I, I don't know. So my, my main take on this movie is, it's weird because I think we're probably all going to the same reaction where this is a strange case where I think it's almost just hurt by expectations. And it's it's the odd case where we're kind of all mad that it's a good movie or like a decent movie because you go in and you want it to either be really good, which it probably never had any chance of, or you're hoping it's like so dumb that it kind of lives up to that kind of Sharknado, you know, like how this is just a like such a camp classic. And instead, they just kind of made a fairly standard, decent, you know, summer blockbuster that just feels like maybe 10 years too late or something. I remember when Battleship came out, for example, and I made the joke that Battleship came out and it was like I, like just a few years ago. But I said it was the best summer movie of 2002 because it just felt like it was like 15 years too late. And that's kind of how this feels. It's like an unpretentious throwback to a time of like more simple, just summer blockbuster fare. And there's something to be said for that, but at the same time, it you you almost want it to just be so much dumber, and it's not. And so it's it's almost unfair because I I don't really think there's anything super wrong with the movie. Um, I think it's well enough made, and you know, Statham is you know fun in it, I suppose, and there's some great sequences. But yeah, you just kind of walk out of it like, yeah, all right, that was that was fun, and then it just kind of starts fading away from you. Yeah, that's kind of... Because it's not another... Like, I mean, for the longest time it was like, well, it seems like people aren't even bothering trying to make good shark movies anymore because, you know, there's no topping Jaws, and Mm -hmm. it's nowhere near as good, but when The Shallows came out, we're like, oh, someone actually did make, like, a 
relatively decent, you know, tense little shark movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that proved that you could do it that way. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, now after we've seen Sand Shark, Shark Exorcist, uh, Six Sharknado movies, Mega Shark versus all kinds of stuff, um, Santa Jaws is on TV tonight. It's like, well, if you're not going to go one way, you got to yeah. go the other way. Yeah, it needed to lean into the humor way more. And when it does, it's great, but it doesn't happen enough. And, and you know, I mean, I get the idea is like, oh, we just wanted to make a fun, uh, simple creature movie. But, I mean, when the Asylum is doing a sh- six-headed shark attack and and stuff, I mean, if you're going to be the big-budget Hollywood version, like, you got to step up step it up a little bit you know i it's it's weird that these like little micro budget movies are like it's gonna sound strange considering the movies we're talking about but like they're really like swinging for the fences and getting like the their imagination is just going wild i mean i'll tell you there's like what seems like a hundred scenes in this where there's a helicopter flying fairly uh, that was such a close to the megalodon, and it's not going to jump out of the water and grab the helicopter and bring it down, which we've seen a few times now. We saw it in uh, Dino Shark, Mega Shark vs. Giant Octopus. Uh, not a shark movie, but we saw a Giant Piranha do it in Mega Piranha. I mean, that's a missed so, opportunity. But my question is, you guys are going one way with it. Um, so you're saying the only way to out stupid stupid is to just do it with more yes. money i would have taken it the other way and just actually try to do a you know a throwback to like the actual jaws type era of films when they kind of yeah. treated it serious like well, that's how the book plays that's yeah. when the trailer came out i was like this doesn't match the book's tone at all right well that that was kind of my point it's almost like this movie like goes in the middle of those two yeah and it just like, kind of like it's Lazy. it's riding the it's riding the fence between being like a real serious shark movie or being a really dumb one. They're, it's kind of like they don't they can't commit to either side. Yeah, yeah it's I get it's, that. It's yeah, it's that, not yeah. fun as something like uh, the the Piranha movie that came out a few years ago. Yeah, but it's not a scary movie like The Shallows. So yeah, and, and of... the remake from a few years ago. Hell, even the original Piranha. I love both of those. There's a cer- there's like a wit to them. That this doesn't really have either, you know. There's like kind of is a it, satirical <laughs> streak. That yeah, is it weird to you that Jason Statham was all like, "I really wish they wouldn't have traded all the gore for the laughs." Like he thought they they had too many jokes in this movie, but honestly, I, that's like making the movie more gory instead of making it like adding the bit of humor that it kind of did have. And some of the jokes aren't great; that they sort of fall flat on their face, but some of them are okay. Um, I think the issue that you guys have kind of nailed on the head is that it doesn't commit one way or the other. It like is stuck between being a really stupid movie and having fun with it and being almost like a shark drama because you have all these relationships. You have the romantic interest from uh, Jason Statham's character. You have the family dynamic that's going on, but it never commits and plays any of those things up enough. And so you're kind of just left walking out like, okay, that was a thing that I watched and it was fun, but it could have been a lot better if they had gotten yeah. one way or the other. Yeah, and I don't even Trev- think I don't even think that's the problem. I don't even I wouldn't even say it's a tone problem. It's just that the movie just kind of is content to be in the middle of those two extremes. Like it's not the tonal nightmare that like Rampage was, for instance. So Trev, real quick, I'm curious to get. I know 
how how long ago did you read the book? Uh, ooh, it, um, I'd say ten years, maybe. I'm about in the same boat, probably. So, mm-hmm. um, I actually think the humans, like in their interactions and everything, kind of played off better in the movie. Like, if there was, oh, some- I agree. I, you know, the yeah. I mean, I do have nice things to say about the movie, and one of them is that yes, they're stock characters, and maybe they're not the most interesting. But I, I, I liked the characters in the movie, and I think a lot of this has to do with that they actually cast a really just likable cast. I think. Yeah, and I've seen way worse in these same type of movies. I was kind of pleasantly surprised, and mm-hmm. it kind of had that Fast and Furious vibe as far as like it's kind of like a, a multinational and yeah, multinational family unit thing that forms. Uh, everyone's yeah. kind of but yeah, no, I mean let go of grudges and they kind of just move on and one thing i actually liked about the movie and it's it's don't get me wrong it's it's super corny and it's super obvious what they're doing but i kind of liked the relationship between jason statham and the little girl just because i haven't seen statham humanized that way in a movie and i thought that was a clever way to make you like his character and um, you know this is gonna sound strange um I've seen a lot of people say, like, oh, I didn't buy into the love story, and, and it's not so much that I bought into it, or, I, like, I mean, Statham and, uh... This is Lee Bingving. Okay. Uh, they're not, like, they they don't have the best chemistry, they're not lighting up the screen or anything, but there was a weird kind of quaint charm to their relationship that I enjoyed, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Like... I don't know. I guess I just. I don't know. I didn't find the that anything was no, I, so convoluted and and. I uh, agree. I was pleasantly surprised with both of, like, actually all of the relationships that Jason Statham had with people, like, surprised me because they didn't do things that were conventional. Like with the ex-wife, I'm like, oh god, we're gonna be in, like a whole movie of them kind of bickering and like they just kind of like, hey, it didn't work out, and they just went on. I heard in the book the ex-wife is like an awful person. Oh, she is. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even with the doctor that had a grudge, like, he quickly just like, hey, man, I fucked up. And they just moved on. Like, they had a really... It, it's kind of just weird in the Giant Shark movie that the humans were one of the better aspects, and you would think that'd be, like, an awesome thing to say, that, like, the drama works, but it doesn't even work It's not that, that it well. works. It's just, wa- it's just refreshingly watchable. Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. The the little I, the, I actually like the little girl too. I I like she, it's yeah. not like the kids in the Jurassic Park movies where they're constantly making stupid decisions and you know, I felt like she, you know, she was cute. She acted like a normal kid and I don't know, that that was especially after freaking these Jurassic watching all these Jurassic Park movies this past summer. You know, that was nice. I will say, though, because you, you mentioned the helicopter thing, um, another, uh, where I will give it credit, because like you said, we actually have seen like sharks attack planes and helicopters a lot. I think one of the great actual dumb moments in this movie that I liked that I wish there was more stuff like this was when the two helicopters crashed into each other and they just added that like for no reason, like another obstacle. Like, why is why is there to be a helicopter crash that just creates like oh my god, it lands on the boat and they have to jump off. It's just so stupid. It happens for no reason. It's just like two news choppers hit each other. And it's just a th- another thing added to escalate like the third act, even though it doesn't need to be there. That, to me, was like the kind of stupid sh- shit that I wish the movie had more of. Well, for the record, in the book, I know that she does the... the there's two sharks in the book, male and mm-hmm. female. And the female does kill a helicopter somehow. Yeah. Well, it that's there. Okay. Yeah, and actually, the... Man, see, we're, this is what Eric and I are talking about. 
because the, the helicopter is tracking the shark in the book because and I can't believe they left this out of the movie because what you're saying, if you, you're thinking of the things they would want to have to make this movie stand out from the pack and be like, you know, an identifiable franchise builder or something. But I don't know if you even remember this, Eric, but the movie reveals that because these sharks have been living uh, on the deep bottom of the ocean for these years, they actually glow. Like yeah, they're, they're all white, right? Yeah, yeah, they're they're like bioluminescent, and so you can like see them at, in this in the sea at night. And I, I can't believe they didn't have that in here just for like the visual of it. They said, and like, I read an interview about that because they got a lot of shit about from the fans, and they said that for some reason, um, it doesn't doesn't didn't look right on film, is what they kept saying. Now I saw like concept art for years where it looked freaking amazing, like these mm-hmm. albino looking sharks kind of coming out of the depth, especially at night. That like it's terrifying. Yeah. But well, even like, I mean, like the way it, the way the sharks come through, like the the, uh, the hydrogen sulfide in the book is awesome. It's so much better, yeah. Because it's like the one meg eats another, and it like it's able to swim through because the blood kind of coats it, and that manages to keep it warm as it swims through like the cold cloud of hydrogen. And in this, they're just like, "Oops, our ship made a hole, and it swam through." <laughs> <laughs> They, they spent like three minutes actually explaining how it happened too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the book has the shark like it it can't be in the sun, right? I read that. Yeah, that might be right. I can't really. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's been a long time. Well, it, allegedly, it's reading true. it's right. Take it from me, the guy that hasn't read it, but. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. the way, I, I remember in the book, like the way Jonas kills the shark in the book is he like he like pilots his ship into the shark's mouth and like goes through the shark and like cuts up its insides. And I was like, yeah, he like gets out of it and starts punching it in the heart. Basically. Yeah. And that's I was like, dude, Jason that's going to be maybe. awesome. Like, yeah. and, and all anyone, all awesome. anyone had been asking for everybody was like, I can't wait to see Jason Statham punch a shark. That's what everyone's waiting for. Oh. And I'm like in my head, like, well, yeah, we're going to get to see him punch its heart, you know, and that didn't even happen. But, like, I was kind of, um, are we at the spoiler part yet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, at the end, I was pleasantly surprised, I guess, um, that they didn't blow the shark up. They didn't, like, do, like, some, like, bigger is more thing. Like, he literally just harpoons it in the eye and calls it a day. Like, that was um, kind of not conventional. No, I, I will say, like, I think I would have preferred the book, like, oh, yeah. you know, ending. But I did, I actually did kind of like the idea of getting the, you know, like, getting the other sharks to attack it. I thought that was clever enough. And, for, it, and they foreshadow that earlier with the... Yeah. Uh, the Rain Wilson thing. Which, by the way, what did you guys think of Rain Wilson? Rain Wilson was actually probably my favorite performance in the movie. I actually just thought he was a great, like, that kind of stock character, the, the douchey millionaire just cares about his profits. I thought he played it really well. Maybe I'm just stupid. I thought he sucked. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, man. Hate grenade. All right, uh, I'll pause. I'll let <laughs> this must have been building up for quite some time. <laughs> no, I, I'm just I'm surprised that like it kind of surprised me that you liked him. I mean, he he's fine, but like I guess my takeaway from that is he doesn't come across as like the schmarmy enough kind of billionaire. Like, there's that moment. Well, th- but that's what I mean. That's why I like it. Is I think it's like it's not the same character we've seen before. Eh. He's, I mean, like, eh, that, like I feel about him the way I kind of feel about the movie is like it. He wasn't the dick that you wanted to like root to hate because initially you're kind of like I'm not sure how I feel about him and you kind of feel that way up until 
the part where he basically backstabs everybody and he lies to them and he's trying to do the whole cover up, pretend that he's trying to kill the shark himself and make sure that nobody finds out about it to protect its investment. But if they had played some of that up a little bit more, I might have been like, oh, okay, there's a better payoff here. I think mm-hmm. I liked him for the reasons you said you don't like him. Because I was I was actually about to say, that's a good segue into what I was going to say when you started hating on him, is that maybe I'm just stupid, but I actually, like, throughout the movie, I found myself constantly being like, oh, he's the asshole, like, he's a... Uh, uh, Paul Reiser and aliens to being like, oh, he actually seems like he like cares and is like a real guy. And then, yeah, I thought the the misdirect actually worked to, worked well on me when he actually has that meeting with everyone. He's like, okay, I you know I'm sorry for your losses. I called like the national guard. I like I like believed him at that point. Yeah, well, I th- uh, I, yeah, I felt. I for was it. the same boat. Like, um, kind of surprised. Hey, not saying that Matt's not. He's he's. I was annoyed. All right, I, I'm an friends. asshole. It's fine. No, no, no I'm saying. <laughs> He You're the Ray Wilson of this group. <laughs> right. That is correct. He's uh, annoying a little bit over the top sometimes, but I, I was kind of surprised again that like conventionally they would have just leaned into it hard, made him like a straight mustache twirling villain. But um, he had some depth to him and he, he wasn't in his head. He was always kind of doing the right thing. Like even they kind of explain the reason he didn't call, you know, backup is because he wanted to handle it and just keep it from escalating um, and becoming a big deal. Mm-hmm. So like he, and he, you could tell that he was like, there's some vengeance driving him. Like he wanted to kill the shark, um, cause you know, of the pain that it caused. So, uh, I, but he was also over the top as fuck. And I think not the, a, the, the more important way. question is, um, the more important question is what did you guys think of heroes? Masioka as Toshi. Uh, dude, he was like some <laughs> racist caricature. Man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to bring that up too because I wanted to know how Brad, Brad, Bird feels about the black character in the movie. Because I thought for one point, like, oh, they're gonna kill this dude off, and it's gonna make a straight like '90s homage to the black dude in a horror movie trope. Uh, <laughs> you're asking me how I felt about the the black character. Um, yeah, you know, at first I was like, oh, you know, he's the normal guy but once they started once they were like actually in danger and he was he, he's the only one that's like oh we gotta get all up out of here it's like <laughs> come on it was awful i mean he was basically he basically was that stock uh black character that you would see in all the 90s movies where he's like you know he's the only one that's like oh we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go and then Dude, right uh, like <laughs> i feel like he's a holdover from every single script like they wrote the script in the 90s and they kept on changing everything else to make it more modern, except for that character. They just kept him the same. The I, w- whole way I will say the one the one thing that I, did make me laugh was like there was the part where he falls in the water and he's like, "I can't swim." And like I even looked at Trev with a look on my face, like, "Are they serious?" <laughs> but, that, but then, uh, but then the the one character says something and he's like, "Are you <laughs> like?" They, there's some comment about, "Are you trying to say racist stuff?" I forget exactly what the line was. But yeah, I was like, "Oh, like, okay, you you won me over." movie <laughs> that was a good line they kind of leaned into it instead of i mean they embraced it there i, I agree because at that point i was just like they can't be re- for real <laughs> with this <laughs> <laughs> but, but between that and then yeah hero's character i felt was kind of i don't know man something about it just seemed like a really bad caricature and then well the second and also the second uh he's like i'm writing a note for my family it's like oh well he's, he's done <laughs> 
Yeah. He's like basically a cop saying, Oh, I'm going to retire tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but it's weird this, to have those two characters in a movie that actually treats the, the Chinese characters with dignity and respect and doesn't make them like they're just normal people. So. You know, that, that's, that's one thing I wanted to say, like, um, you know, you watch this and it's so clear. This is like a Chinese production made to like make a lot of its profit in China because, you know, how, you know, Lee Bingbing is the secondary lead. And she actually, I don't know if people realize it because I mean, it's not super clear in the trailers, but she is a, a really big character in this. I mean, when you say secondary lead, she really is like, you know, the, the, the next big character. And I thought this is probably of everything we've sat through in the last few years that's like so clearly made to like, ooh, we got to make our China bucks too. I thought this kind of handled it the best because I thought, you know, like I, I got why those characters were there. I thought they was all treated with like respect. And I just bought that. The, I bought those characters is just like not there just because the movie needed Chinese characters, but they seem to actually work here. Well, you look at I'm, like, I'm not uh, I'm not verb, I'm not verbalizing this well, but I just felt like it did. It felt more natural in this well, than normally because like uh, like movies like uh, there's like Iron Man three and uh, Skull Island like they have these Chinese actors that are actually like big stars over there. And they just kind of like stand there throw, <laughs> you throw know? in the background. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I can agree on that. Uh, um, I think it's the best I've seen too. I was thinking the same exact thing. It's, yeah. um, I, will I, feel like I was bar, actually but... watching a movie with an international cast, not a movie that was like forcing international people in just for profit. I will say both this movie and Pacific Rim uprising kill the only Japanese characters. Conspiracy. <laughs> I'm just saying. I wonder if that was a stipulation. Like you have to cast one Japanese character <laughs> and we have to kill them. Because in the book, it it's a- actually interesting that, like, um, instead of taking place with like Chinese characters, they're all Japanese. Uh, hey, I got a quick question for you guys because there is what I know. This is like a dumb little thing. I mean, ultimately, it means nothing. But there's something that really confused me, and I want to know if I'm the only person that was baffled by this. Um, there's a scene where they fall, they all fall into the water and then they get out and they're in boats. They get into boats and they're heading back to the, the, the station and, uh, paid the DJ, the, the black character looks at Ruby Rose and he goes, what happened to your hair? Uh, as far as I could tell, nothing had happened to her hair. Her hair was exactly the same as it had been throughout the entire rest of the movie. Am I wrong about I this? I know what you're that talking co- about. Did that confuse anybody can, else? I cannot answer that question. I just thought it was a bad joke that I just didn't get. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I did, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on there either. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, good. Did it bother anyone else when they first introduced Rain Wilson and he gets out of a helicopter and it goes to a close-up of his feet and it's these brand new shiny Nike shoes? Mm, no. Why would that? Why would that bother anyone? I just have a thing with like really like focused product placements sometimes. I think. Oh, that that's what you were saying. Okay. Yeah. No, because I like I, I didn't think... notice it honestly. I think really fo- like focused product placement can be funny and like the way that we kind of were looking for here. Like if there had been more of that, I might have started to laugh at it. But. <laughs> um. So on a, on a giant monster podcast, I feel like we we've gone kind of burying the lead a little bit. So how do we feel about the the titular Meg or the Meg? Sorry. Okay, let me go. I, I'll, I'll go first because. Um, Bird brought up the shallows earlier, and I I love the shallows. Like I actually, I think all you guys have heard me say this before, but in my mind, like that could be the actual sequel to Jaws. Like if you would just call them way Jaws: Cole and the Shallows, I'd be like, yeah, that's a worthy successor. And I think one thing that movie did really well is it actually that shark felt like a character. Um, 
and I think that's true of Jaws too. And uh, well, I mean Jaws also. Sorry. Um, like those, I would you love that like, for that to be a title, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but those, like those, felt like uh, like characters. And I think Meg, the Meg, whatever, really drops the ball there. I don't think the shark ever seems like it has any personality. Um, because Eric, you were saying you don't like how an animal attack movies the when animals just indiscriminately attack and that's kind of what i thought here is it's like this shark just comes up and it just like ah it's gonna eat everything and you're like well okay but why like is it what is it angry that it's come up through this whole like hole is it what is it doing it doesn't seem like it's systematically stalking anybody it's just kind of randomly attacking anything and we never even get we never get like a great look at it that much to uh except for that one scene where it swims up to the little girl but that's in all the trailers speaking Uh, of that scene sharks don't like they can't do that they can't they stay them. still. I know. Uh, every, like literally, backwards. everybody knows that. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I just I didn't feel like it was a character, and I think it could have been. So I was kind of I, I was actually pretty book, disappointed in it. In the book, I think it treats it better. I think there's more like rational. Like when it attacks, it's like it's been a while, and it kind of goes to a frenzy. Or like there's situations presented that when when it attacks, it usually makes sense. Um, it doesn't just mm. like. In this movie, literally, as it um, surfaces, it kills and eats a whale, two whales, and then just goes sinks three boats. Well, I guess it could be two different sharks. Either way, like it's you're right. It has no personality in the book. I feel like when they finally killed at the end, there's like a payoff. There's some catharsis. Is like, oh yeah, like fuck you, kind of thing. And mm-hmm. just you really don't. It's just basically like a force of nature kind of thing it was a dick move when it ate the whale and then like the baby whales like where's my mom and then it eats that one yeah what an asshole it was, yeah it's it kind of it definitely was two sharks because that's actually one of the, the better moments in the movie is when they've caught the one and then the, the even bigger one jumps out and grabs yeah. that one off well the yeah boat. so that, obvious spoiler territory yeah that's basically like the uh the end of the first Godzilla anime where they kill the the small one. They're like, "Oh, he won!" Oh, and then the man, bigger one. Why you got to bring that bullshit into this? <laughs> why, would, why would you do that? I'm playing to the crowd. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, uh, that was a cool little twist. Um, I figured that was going to happen because I f- I was like, "Well, there's not really a third act here." Um, yeah. But that that was cool. That you know, okay, now an even bigger shark comes, and I I did. I'm. I see hearing you guys talk about how what the shark looks like in the book uh, like I do really wish we had that like bioluminescent albino kind of thing um but for what it's worth I I you know I think they did a good job of making it look a little bit less like a great white and you know it had this kind of brownish color and this kind of like wrinkly skin and you know it was so I, I think they did what they could without making it look too generic. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with you guys in that the shark itself doesn't really do a whole lot that's really remarkable. Um, I just read an article on, I think, Bloody Disgusting earlier about the beach scene where it's like you see uh, this beach of like hundreds and hundreds of people and you're like, oh, this shark's gonna, this this scene's gonna be crazy. And, you know, you start thinking of, like, oh, the that beach scene in uh, Piranha 3D that was just insane. And then the shark comes and eats, like, four people. And, you know... <laughs> I don't like, even remember it eating anyone, really, to be honest. Like, I remember the payoff with the guy in the ball. 
Yeah, that was the one that stuck out because that's like the only person he eats, basically. Yeah, but I, like and, I felt I, I, this whole, the article that I, I was looking at was basically about how that was like a missed opportunity for like true, complete chaos. Not necessarily gore, but just yeah. There's like no, there's a missed opportunity for gore too. Like I, I remember distinctly remembering. So they had like those little floating piers kind of thing. And at one point, like a lot of them are getting like there's they have anchors going to the bottom of the seafloor and they're getting pulled by the shark. And then so these things are banging together with a lot of people in the water. And I was like, oh, they're going to have like someone's head like right between these two things as, as they clash together. And it just I don't know, it's just nothing. Nothing happens. There's no maybe some people get eaten and guy in a big floating ball. But just nothing really happens in that entire scene. But panic. I don't know. I will say, uh, speaking of, you know, I mean, we're talking about the the giant shark. I did think the CG was was pretty decent. Yeah, the, the I mean, the effects were were fine. Like uh, it, they were believable. I'm still laughing about the fact the shark is swimming under like a thousand people, and it's also swimming like in what should be what maybe ten feet of water at times. It felt like no, you're right, but also create like a tremendous wake, right? So. You would think dragging everyone with him as it. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Like that would have been an awesome. Like, let, if you're gonna have a giant shark, let's let's you know explore all the cool possibilities of that. So I was thinking about that too. Like, wouldn't like imagine the, like the water disbursement that would happen if it swung underneath you? And like you said, it'd have been awesome if it like sucked everybody in basically and they couldn't get away. Basically, do but, a water version of in the 2014 Godzilla when he comes out of the water and it causes a tsunami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I that, I agree. That was. Seems like something you could actually have a lot of fun with. I will say, though, because this is probably a good time to mention this because we we're going to get there eventually. And you guys were just both talking about, you know, the opportunity for gore during that scene. But, you know, so like a big bone of contention, you know, recently uh, and kind of fueled by Turtle Tob and Statham themselves who went into the press before the movie came out. And I don't know if maybe they I, I kind of feel like they we should say this movie kind of outperformed its own box office expectations this past weekend. It made double what it was projected to. And I have a feeling that Turtle Tob and Statham felt like it was going to bomb. And so they were trying to kind of come out ahead of it a little bit and be like, well, not our fault. And they were both like, well, it really should have been our like we're, we're really upset that the studio made us do a PG-13 instead of the R film we thought we were making. But I know Bird and I agree, and I'm interested to hear what Matt and Eric think. I, I just don't think there's any reason for this movie to be R. Like, I don't think anything that we have a problem with is because it wasn't gory. We're talking about a giant shark that swallows people whole. I, I don't think the movie required gore. I think if this was like, you know, a regular great white movie, sure. But this shark is so big. I don't know. That would be like, unless it's doing that thing that like people do when it like, okay, I'm going to bite the head off of the gummy bear first. Yeah I, yeah, I can't imagine. It's really delicate with where it bites. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine a whole lot of opportunities even. I mean, maybe here and there, but it's not enough for Statham Yeah, I mean, it's, to... just weird, it's just weird for people to suddenly be like, ah, shark movies have to be R. And it's like, well, I mean, Jaws is PG. The Shallows was PG-13. You don't really... I don't think of these like... Yeah, people make slasher movie comparisons sometimes, but it, it's not that kind of slasher movie. You know, like Piranha was R because it was going for this crazy over-the-top B-movie thing. And that's not really what they were doing here. I mean, there's, no, there's, I totally go ahead. That's fine. Um, I just I I agree. There's there's no reason, like you said, it's swallowing people whole. Um, you could have gone 
crazy with that beach scene, but yeah, uh, I think it. I think it needed a bigger body count for sure, but it didn't need more yeah. blood. Yeah. No. So some of the changes that they made, we know one of them, Rain Wilson's character, who actually has a pretty gross death. Like he basically the shark takes him out whole, and like I think part of his arm or hand or something is left over. Mm-hmm. And, but the and original, it should be mentioned that he's uh, he's trying to avoid the shark by being on a rotting whale carcass, which is pretty <laughs> gross itself. Yeah. Um. But his original death was basically he was going to be bit into like almost thirds where like the upper third of him was going to be left. And you thought, oh, he survived. And then it's revealed, oh, no, that's just like the top half of him or whatever. So like that was the original idea. But as far as I can tell, there haven't been any other like changes that they publicly talked about besides that. And then Jason Statham comes out and basically says, well, I signed up for a very radically different script. And, you know, there's a lot more blood to it. And I'm not sure that that as you guys said, makes much of a difference for this specific movie because the, sh- the shark is just kind of there and very indiscriminate and the, the kills are very quick and he just basically like gulp and it's over. So it was effective for what it was, I thought. Do you guys know if Statham came on before or after Eli Roth left? After. Cause, yeah, because if he came on after and Eli Roth was like, no, I wanted a bloodier movie... Like, did he not get the memo? I... Yeah, that's what I don't really get either. Like, their story doesn't seem to add up to me because I feel like when they came on, it was already determined that this is going to be a PG-13. Hmm. Like, let's face it, there's no way a, a shark movie over $100 million was ever going to be R. Right. Did like, it need to be that expensive, by the way? You guys think it did? Well, no. But... <laughs> yeah, I, don't think, <laughs> I really don't think it did. But again, I, I, think, I think a lot yeah, of that budget... I think a lot of that budget, well, special effects, and I think a lot of that budget might reflect the development hell, too. Yeah. yeah I agree, but... We know that or not. We don't know how much was actually carried over. Yeah. Has it opened in China? Do we know? I don't think so yet. Okay. Um, as far as, like, the world building, because um, like, at least the second book takes place in the quote-unquote trench. Um, it just... In the book, it just seemed a lot... It was so brightly lit and supposed to be like the darkest place on like just no light for the most part, except for little flashes of bioluminescence from animals. And like, that's kind of what led to the fears. You don't know, didn't know what was out there kind of just beyond like your submersibles glass window. And I just feel like lighting it so brightly and, and kind of showing it the way they did just, it, Kind of removed all of the sense of suspense and, and tension. I thought, I don't know, Trad. Did you feel anything about it? Or just like it was fine. Just the world building itself. Uh, I'm spe- speaking specifically to like what we see, uh, like underwater, like that. Yeah. Whole well, I mean, it, it look, seemed like Avatarish and just kind of like. I mean, again, I. I feel like I have more, you know, nice to or like decent to nice things to say than negative things. But at the end of the day, like I'm as big of I'm as big of a national treasure fan as as you'll find. <laughs> but but we're talking about John Turtletaub. You know, it's not like the the movie has a really flat visual look. Um, there's nothing that amazing looking about it. I think that it is kind of a shame that they didn't get someone with like a little bit of a better visual eye or just a more interesting filmmaker to maybe to do this. Like it just everything we're saying is like even in our praise, we're just kind of like, well, our praise is based on the fact that it's it's fine. It's decent. And I think that even applies to just the way the film looks. Like you said, like, yeah, so I mean 
especially like you said that whole like beneath the the thermocline like i would have been way i would have definitely been down for seeing a more crazy like visual um environment down there and i would have took it to the other extreme and save some money in the budget and just not shown much of anything yeah well that's yeah if you want to make it scarier sure like uh, that, but that's just the thing it's like everything about this movie is just f- safe i guess flat and safe yeah are there, well are there other prehistoric creatures down there like are there any yeah there's there's aquatic mo- dinosaurs? mosasaurs or cro- yeah chronosaurs or whatever they basically they've aquatic reptiles but they've adapted uh gills so and that's what the second book's about right like the meg fights like another like prehistoric beast that they accidentally let out or something yeah it's uh it's the dinosaurs or whatever yeah well um I guess, you know, we're kind of winding down here. Uh, honestly, though, uh, I mean, I haven't been too crazy about it, but, you know, it, I did have fun with it, and I will say, to be honest, I think I liked it more than Pacific Rim Uprising, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, uh, and probably Rampage. I, uh, you know, it's not... I definitely liked it more than both Godzilla anime films. Uh it's not great, but it's an enjoyable enough diversion. Is it something you need to go see in the theater? I don't know. I mean, it feels kind of feels like something that you could just watch at home, you know, uh, like on the upper end of sci-fi channel movies or something. Um, I definitely didn't dislike it. Um, and, uh, I mean, the best I can really say is like, I mean, if I'm doing something and I need some background noise and it's on TV, you know, I'll be like, oh, the Meg's on and just leave it. But, you know, I mean, it's it's decent enough. Um, I don't know. Are you guys ready for ratings then? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I, I kind of summed it up there. Um, I, I'm going to give it a decent three out of five. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it it's enjoyable. And I think that if you see it, you're not going to be hating yourself for seeing it. Um, but it, it could have been more, no matter what direction it decided to swing in. Uh, instead, it just kind of decided to stay in the middle and float there like that shark looking into the glass. Um, all right, well, who wants to go next? I'll go. Um, I'm also at a three out of five, and I don't think I liked it as much as Rampage. Um, or even maybe Uprising, just in terms of like the, the sheer stupidity of the, both those films and the amount of fun that I had. It's probably a better movie than both those. It's definitely better than Jurassic uh, World Fallen Kingdom. Um, but I mean, it, it was a fine time. Like if you're looking for just kind of two hours to kill and you want to see a, a giant shark eat things, then yeah, go for it. I mean, all of my Facebook feed, my friends have been overly positive about it. Um, not wowed by any means, but everybody seems to, to have liked it okay. So I'm going to go three out of five yeah i'll go i'll go next i i same with me i'll give it a three out of five also i i i agree with everything you said it's it's fine it's a fun movie it's just not as good as i think we wanted it to be or and at the same time that you can parallel that saying it's not as stupid as maybe we wanted it to be but uh i'd say it is worth seeing in a theater if you're a shark movie fan because you know we don't get a lot of these theatrical shark movies and it's 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 certainly cool to see one you know on the big screen and it's like Bird said. It's 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 fun enough that you'll go see it. And you're not gonna be like, damn, I can't believe I wasted money on that. You'll walk out, you know, with a smile on your face and be like, yeah, that was fun. And then that's that's kind of it. But you know, there are worse things in the world than that. And 
yeah, it's 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 just a decent, unpretentious summer movie. There's, I mean, we used to we used to like these more when we were younger. I think we're just kind of burnt out on them, but that's no fault of the film, it I guess. So. Yeah, when you say an unpretentious summer movie, it's like Congo, but better. Yeah, it's better than Congo. Yeah. <laughs> Would you add this to your growing, ever growing collection of Shark uh, DVD and Blu-rays? Well, I think like many of my shark movies, I would buy it at Family Video for like four dollars. Okay. <laughs> All right, Eric. Um, I think I liked it a little bit less than you guys, so I'm gonna just put it solidly in the middle, two point five. Um, I liked it way more though than the last Jurassic World movie. Uh, which was one of the most painful movie That's experiences. Of, <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. There's pretty much after the first five minutes of that movie, I didn't enjoy anything else I saw. It was way better also than uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, uh, which was a turd of a film. I'm sorry. I know it's got a lot of fans. Why? Um, why does it have a lot of fans or yeah. why do I like <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I do agree with Matt though, that I liked Rampage more. Um, as totally inconsistent as it was, it was just it was more fun for me. Um, it's a disappointing movie that I've waited 20 years to see, and this is what we got. But <laughs> and also, it could have been a lot worse. So uh, it can be, it can kind of be summed up. Uh, uh, he followed it with a more contentious comment. But Thunder Levin, who writes the Sharknado movie, said the difference between this and Sharknado is we knew what kind of movie we were making. Uh, and I feel like that's a little bit true. Um, and honestly, if they'd hired him to write the Meg, I don't know how much different it would have turned out. I will say, and Trev can back me up on this, Griff first would have knocked it out of the park. Yeah, give uh, give uh, the Meg 2 to Griff first, and then we'll get something. Yeah. And you know, like if, uh, if Statham doesn't want to come back, I say replace him with Dave Bautista. <laughs> that would, I would be down for that. Yeah, man. Get him away from Disney because he sounds like he's going to burn the place down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's all she wrote. Cool. <laughs> Eric's falling asleep on us. I am. Oh, well, well, okay, Eric, before you leave, one last quick question. All right. Do you, guys, do you guys think there will be a sequel? And if there is, do you want them, like, like Eric, I guess it's mostly for you. Like, do you want them to actually try to follow the books now or just be like, since this was barely an adaptation anyways, just do whatever the hell they want and make up their own sequels? Well, they, they missed the obvious sort of sequel bait. Um, yeah, but we did, we did get that great Finn joke at the end. Yeah, but the the, the book ends basically the female shark, the big yeah, one that baby. Uh, has a baby, and it's uh, the baby swims free, and I think they capture it and put it in an aquarium or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I, they kind of linger on the shark as it's dying. I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, they're going to reveal it's pregnant or something at the end, but they don't do it. Um, I. I really, I don't know, man. It's got a lot of good positive word of mouth. It it could, it appeals to that. Um, oh crap, that Paul Blart sort of Middle America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I know what you mean, man. It it, it appeals to that sort of demographic. So it, I could see it. It's going to come down to the numbers thing, and and the, the Chinese box do, office is going to make or break it. Yeah, and what they might do is like if this one comes a little bit kind of below making net what they might do is well okay the only way for this to 
make it profitable is to make a sequel that then doesn't have all this extra excess costs attached to it. Yeah, I was so, even thinking like I wonder if this could go the route of like a Meg Two that's straight to video or something. You know, like yeah. Just, hey, they they're making Deep Blue Sea sequels. Yeah, that's what I mean. Well, it, it Meg. Just so you guys know, Meg actually was released in China and it made about fifty million, which is on par with about what it made here. And it, its mm. total so far is one hundred forty-five million. Ooh. So I'm not. <laughs> It's, it's basically break, right now. It's it's at even. It's pretty close to being even with the production budget, but obviously that doesn't count there. All know. right. Direct to video might be the best approach. Like you can get someone who's kind of wants to prove themselves a little more. Get the lower budget might strengthen things, keep things more suspense, uh, suspenseful, and uh, it, it could or just make it more fun. Like one way or the other, but it might be the way to go. Mm-hmm. I do think if a sequel happens, it will be something that would have to be drastically like either straight to video or just, you know, downplayed and presented as a much smaller kind of film. Because I don't think they're going to go all out and make a huge giant budget sequel again after how this one's doing. I'd like to see it maybe go to straight to video and just get kind of progressively stupider or, as you said, just um, people trying a different concept with it or something. So, I mean, why not? I'm always down for more shark movies. We're, We're wrapped on the Meg. Cool. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. It was a thanks pleasure being sir. here, brother. All right, I'll catch you guys later. Get some Z's. Catch you on the flip flop. Is that something people say? Ooh, have I heard that before? I don't even know if I've heard that before. I don't know. Flip side. I thought we were gonna do man. a lot more, but I like flip flop yeah. better actually. Yeah. Flip flop's pretty good, but I thought we were gonna have more puns throughout that episode. I we, we started off wrong. Them. You guys started <laughs> off pretty strong, and then you like blurted twelve out in a row. That's true. Got them all the way. All right. I'm all the way. The head, the tail, and the whole damn thing. Ah, shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Later, guys. See ya. ya. Normally, we would have done this the other way around, uh, where we did this first and then led up to the Meg and built it up like like a keep everyone in suspense. Uh, But this is like the Meg review after party, I guess. And... The, but the Megalodon, before blowing up in the Meg, uh, he did have a small screen career uh, in the Mega Shark versus series made by That's our right. friends. It's like how like how George Clooney did ER before becoming Batman. Right, right, yeah. You gotta start somewhere. Um, and so this is the asylum of which Trev and I uh, are in a minority in that we're would you say we're asylum apologists? I don't even call myself an apologist. I just call myself a fan. I have no, I have no bad feelings about it. I unabashedly I like this. I unabashedly like the asylum. I think, I think they know what they're doing and they do it well. I think they get a bad rap. Yeah. Um, but I also, uh, but to be fair, I also don't think they give a crap about the, the reputation they have because they've been around for 21 years now and they're doing just fine. And I think uh, they have that Corman thing going where they I don't think they've ever lost money on a movie. Yeah. Um, so uh, obviously they're they're probably most known for Sharknado at this point. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, the, secondly, they're probably known for their mockbusters. So, you know, um, Transformers comes out, and then you go to the video store and you see a shitty little straight-to-DVD movie called Transmorphers, that kind of thing. 
Um, if you see anything like that, it's probably the Asylum. Um, a few original movies here and there, and they started as an actual like real indie studio. Um, but I think Mega Shark, starting with the first movie, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, is what paved the way for stuff like um, uh, Sharknado. And some of the, uh, like me and Trev, some of our lesser known favorites, our favorite Asylum movie always will be Air Collision. Uh, but these ridiculous low budget movies that uh, kind of, I don't know, they know what they are and they're not necessarily parody. Well, I guess Sharknado at this point is. Um, and I think that started with Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, right? Yeah, I think I think it's very safe to say Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus is the is the movie that put them on the map, and that's why even today, you know, like as Sharknado has taken over, and they've also got some um, pretty decent success with Z Nation on Sci Fi Channel. I think they still. This sounds so stupid and weird, but I think they feel indebted to Mega Shark, and that's why they've kept it as a an, a consistent franchise, as as we are about to talk about. Um, the reason they keep pumping out sequels is this is because I think there's probably some loyalty to the fact that this movie is what got them their name. And in particular, one scene is what got them their name. Like, this is definitely a case of one viral moment kind of putting them, uh, putting them on the map. Yeah. Um, this one, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure the, the genesis of it or whatever. I think they were just like, Hey, we need a dumb monster movie. Um, but in the trailer, there is a scene uh, where the mega shark leaps out of the water and takes down a commercial airline. And that clip just like exploded on the internet. Um, and uh, what I was reading was that the tr- when the trailer went viral, it had more hits than um, the trailer for Avatar. And. Um, I didn't know this either. Uh, apparently, it got a, a still very small theatrical release, but a theatrical release regardless. Which this was the first Asylum movie to do that, and um, at one point they were even playing around with the idea of those uh, screenings being in 3D. Um, but yeah, just that little clip is what basically blew it up, and I think that's when the Asylum kind of realized like oh, this is what people want. People want outlandish, people want crazy, people want over-the-top, and I think they, with each sequel, they get crazier, but um, I think this is kind of what really gave birth to the asylum that, that we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. I'm not sure how much there is to say about these, so we'll just kind of Run down the list here. Um, I mean, I would like to defer all that to Matt. Anyways, isn't he the only weirdo that took notes while watching these? That's true. No, I, listen, hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. I did not take notes about the plot. What I took notes about were the terrible one-liners that made me laugh. Uh, okay. Well, there's a lot of which I have too. I have a list of them, which is pretty funny. <clears throat> uh, am I supposed to go through that now? Is that what you want, or did you want to go through like the plot? Well, or do we even need to talk about that? I mean. I mean, I, seriously, I've seen these movies like I've seen each of these at least twice, and the last time I watched these was like weeks ago, and I'd be hard pressed to give you plot. I don't movies. remember anything. They all blend together for me at this point because I watched them in a span of I, a week. 
I, I guess it's safe. Like we can say what's safe to say about the first one, uh, Mega Sharks Giant Octopus, uh, which is from 2009, is that it's the only one that kind of feels like it's trying to be a real movie. And I mean, like take that with a grain of salt, but it's definitely not as tongue in cheek and goofy as the the three that follow. It it really is trying to be like a somewhat legit giant monster movie. It's just an incompetent one. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so this stars Debbie Gibson and uh, Lorenzo yes, Lamas. Yes, that Debbie Gibson. <laughs> yes, 80s uh, pop star Debbie Gibson. Anyway, so uh, the Mega Shark is frozen in ice, uh, or in a glacier, I guess, and um, it, it breaks out. And then I mean, uh, they both are right. Like they, the mega shark and giant octopus were fighting in prehistoric times and got that's frozen. Right. Right. And then, and um, then there's the drilling thing off the, in Japan that, uh, attacks the octopus and it like brings down the whole rig or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, from there, I mean, it's pretty standard B movie stuff. It's the, you know, the scientists, well, we should, keep these creatures alive and then no we shouldn't and then uh the asshole guy is like we need to nuke them um and uh so remember this one is the 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 leads are debbie gibson and then the japanese scientist and they have a really awkward romance that is like watching it is uncomfortable because it's so awkward (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's a great there's a great line where um so basically, they go and they have they have sex, and then immediately after, the guy's like he starts talking about how good she smells, and then he starts talking about her pheromones, and that leads them to the idea that they can use pheromones to lure the two monsters to to fight each other. Yeah, but it was just a really creepy, uncomfortable moment. Like, ugh. Well, it's also like they like had sex in the closet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's like. It's like he's he's trying to be sweet to her, but he's also just talking that talking about fair. It's just oh god. Yeah, no, that is weird. And then um, did they end up like together at the end? I don't remember. Well, no, because he leaves to go somewhere else, right? <laughs> yeah, he like basically throws out this stuff about if it's meant to be, it's meant to be kind of BS, and they're they're like chatting the whole time over video conference because the. At the time, the monsters were in two different um, countries, essentially. Mm. So I think he was in like Japan, and she was off the coast of the states or whatever. Yeah, um, I, this one is pretty uneventful. I mean, um, well, I think there's more to reminisce about when we get to the the later movies. But um, yeah, if you're going into this one expecting it all to be that scene uh, from the trailer, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Like yeah, it's actually there, there is a there is a fun scene where the shark uh, like bites the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even the actual mega shark fighting the giant octopus isn't all that interesting. Um, well, yeah, but, but Debbie says it's the thriller in Manila, guys. Come well, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it should be noted that that's another like kaiju movie trope of well, we got to get them to fight each other and kill each other. Which Let them fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one is is really kind of a little bit of a non-entity. I I will say though that. I don't think that it's unenjoyable. I mean, no, but I think like so, it's, like it's just not memorable. Bird and I, in our own discussions about the asylum, and maybe we've talked about this on previous shows or whatever, but we both agreed that 
there's a point where the asylum seemed to realize what people were liking about their movies and and leaned into that more um, in terms of like the the campiness and the, and the corny appeal. And so this is kind of like a time capsule of back when the asylum was like, no, no, we're like legit. We're making real movies. And uh, so to, like, consider that when you visit this one, that it's it's almost interesting. <laughs> like this sounds so stupid, but it's interesting historically for the asylum because you're seeing like an earlier period where they weren't they weren't the Sharknado studio yet. They were like, now we're, we're trying to like actually compete. And you kind of can see the problems with that here and that there's just it's kind of boring and there, but there's a lot of like um, there's a lot of typical asylum stuff in this in particular something you'll see in a lot of asylum movies including this entire series is people uh, piloting submarines or little vehicles and just a lot of scenes of seeing them sitting in a chair uh, with some monitors in front of them and just being like yep I guess they're actually in the ship and just a lot of that like clearly being filmed in like a closet somewhere that's supposed to be a cockpit of a ship and uh no no attempt made to give any kind of like scale to it or you know put a green screen in front of them so it looks like they're actually in the ocean you just take it on faith that yeah i guess that cgi ship is where debbie gibson is sitting even though she's clearly just in an office somewhere yeah um i will say like a lot of people are probably like why are you talking about this but i i think that there is uh definitely some kaiju movie influence uh and that definitely carries over into the sequels um Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some Easter eggs, like, uh, I actually caught it when we watched it, um, the, the oil tanker is called Petrox, which is the oil tanker in, uh, the 70s King Kong remake, um, so, I mean, there's, there's some stuff like that where if you're, like, super nerdy, you'll, you'll recognize it, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's not that it's unenjoyable, it's, yeah, it's just kind of just in one ear and out the other, and that I watched it within the last couple weeks, and there's not much that I recall. Um, But yeah, I mean, the usual Asylum stuff that you get entertainment out of, especially like goofy dialogue and awkward romances, I mean, that's all there. So, I mean, if if you like Asylum movies, I wouldn't be like, oh, don't watch this one. Um, I I would just say, you know, if you're going to watch this one, you might as well just watch the sequels, because it's it's better. So as, as the new asylum person here, because I've only seen like before this, the other three movies that we talked about for the podcast or whatever. Um, I didn't like it much. I actually found it kind of boring. There were some parts that made me laugh. You have the, the cool, you know, shark jumping out of the, the plane thing, which as you talked about already, there is my favorite part of the movie though, is actually the end when the shark and the octopus go undersea and like, well, I'm sorry, they're sinking further. And like the, the octopus raises one of his tentacles and it's like almost waving to you. And they replay that like twice. I laughed out loud at that because I don't know, for whatever reason, it just was hilarious. But I, I just didn't really do anything. It was kind of boring. They leaned a bit in, like they didn't lean enough into the insanity that comes after this for me to, to get a kick out of it. So like, I don't think I'll ever watch this again. And if asylum movies aren't your thing, then I would say skip it. But if you like shark movies, yeah, sure, give it give it a shot. Watch it if you want to watch all four of these. But yeah, if you're pressed for time and you're like, well, I do want to watch some dumb shark movies, you can probably just yeah. jump ahead to the, the next one and go from there. Um, so uh, how many um, awkward sex with Debbie Gibson's do you give this out of five? One and a half. Yeah, I'd say one and a half is probably pretty accurate. That's fair. I like it. 
I'll do one and a half also. Okay, so let's get into where uh, we really start to take off here, and that's um, uh, Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus, 2010, a year later. Um, this one directed by Christopher Olin Ray, uh, who is one of Trev's favorites, right? <laughs> the whole Olin Ray family is uh, yes, they're good son they're good of B movie legend Fred Olin Ray. It's his son, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, this one um, takes a lot of the concepts of of the uh, the first one and kind of just kind of beefs it up a little bit. Um, so this one uh, is this a different shark? Nope, this is the same shark. Okay, yeah, same I, shark. Okay, I I, I lose track because at one point they introduce a new shark. Um, so this one, uh, we should give a, uh, talk about our cast here. We have, uh, Jaleel White, uh, <laughs> Urkel, um, and we have, uh, Robert Picardo, uh, from, uh, which star, is it Next Generation? Is he Next Generation? Voyager. Okay, from Star Trek Voyager and, like, every- A bunch of Joe Dante Yeah, stuff. every Joe Dante movie. Um, when me and Trev watched this uh, a couple weeks ago, um, I think we both said he's too good for this. <laughs> and, um, uh, so here we have, um, uh, the Mega Shark is back. Um, it survived, I guess, uh, I, the last movie ended with kind of a, uh, a, they, a draw, I guess, but this one survived. The shark survived. Um, and around the same time, there's a hunter uh, played by someone named Gary Stretch. Do, do you guys know who that is? Is he? Nope. Okay, Wikipedia tells me he's a boxer, a former boxer. So I don't know if boxing nerds know him. Uh, but he is a hunter, and uh, he is going after a, uh, a giant crocodile, which is our crocosaurus. Um, and uh, he. Um, he has, he, he tries to deliver the, the crocodile, um, uh, somewhere. I don't, (laughs) I don't remember. Um, at the same time, the Megalodon, uh, has returned and it, it, it has, uh, 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 attacked this, um, ship that Jaleel White is on and Jaleel White is... Uh, he's kind of obsessed with the, the the megalodon and like tracking it and um, and all that. And his fiance is killed, uh, which gives us a, a great. I I think you guys would agree a great dramatic uh, scene for him where he is cradling her body and saying it should have been me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, uh, anyway. Um, so the Mega Shark is back, and the uh, Crocosaurus uh, has um, some eggs that are uh, being delivered with the Croc, I believe. Are the are the they're together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, the shark basically wants the eggs, um, and then that's when they fo- they first collide it's in the middle of the ocean. Um, as the the shark wants wants those eggs, and uh, at, from that point forward, the shark and the crocosaurus become uh, arch enemies. Um, so, uh, is that enough of a recap? 
That's pretty. That's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. All right. Sweet. Now, uh, um, for this one, I'll, I'll defer to Matt first because, uh, again, you are a noob to just the asylum's particular brand of B movie, and I know that after you watched this one, you said you really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, this, this movie's awesome, and I. I recommend it to anybody who's in for just a, a really fun, stupid kind of kind of time. So I'm going to go through my notes real quick because the movie opens up and like they're digging for like apparently blood diamonds or something. You got these guys that are digging at, under duress because they're um, they're at gunpoint, and the guy that's holding the gun, his accent keeps going in and out, which is to great hilarity. Once the uh, the crocosaur shows up, the one of the first people he kills, he just like. His leg comes down, and the guy just, like, splats, and there's this awesome CG, terrible blood going everywhere, and the guy's arm, like, flies in the air, which had me laughing. Um, Steve Urkel wears a Navy hat from probably a gift shop, I had to guess, because it just looks like a gift shop. And then, of course, you have the trope where nobody believes shark guy. Uh, You know, they're talking about the shark. Nobody believes that it's going to come back. Um, Also, mention... The girl in the initial, like, 10 minutes of the movie where she's trying to recruit the uh, Steve Irwin Crocodile Dundee ripoff guy. Nobody, it, well, she's, she basically suffers from the Bryce Dallas Howard thing where she's wearing heels in a jungle. And then she also gets eaten right away. So that was very satisfying. My favorite line in the movie is when the, uh, the NOAA agent comes to Urkel and, he's, and she's basically like, hey... There's no pay, and you start now. And she delivers it matter-of-factly, and it's done in such a way like I just I laughed out loud hysterically when it happened. So it's a fun movie, and it has a lot to offer in terms of just like really stupid death scenes and people being jackasses, and it's a good time all around. <laughs> That's a pretty good, just that sentence, cool death scenes and people being jackasses. That's That's pretty apt, I think. You, they, I think they put a, 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 some more resources into this one. There are more... I mean, it's still the Asylum. It's still bad CG. It's still recycling a lot of shots. But there are more uh, effect scenes and set pieces in this one. Um, you know, we, we get the Mega Shark, um, you know, attacking a city. At one point, he, um, he crashes through a building that on the side of it has um, the poster for... Either this one or the first one, but um, it's the first one. Yeah, and I, I think it's the Japanese poster, even. Um, yeah, it's a Japanese poster. yeah. Again, there's a, know, there's a cute little moment too where they go into like a, a little bar in like the Congo, and there's a signed picture of Debbie Gibson up on the wall. But yeah, this one. Uh, uh, I mean, Robert Picardo is your stereotypical. He's literally a cigar chomping admiral. Um, he even says that like his whole purpose with this mission is so he can smoke this cigar, uh, cigar that he has. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's really the, the asylum's kind of charming, uh, half earnest, half incompetent, uh, kind of movie that, you know, you would just like sit down with some friends on a Saturday and I don't drink beer, but if I did and, you know, drink some beers, eat some pizza, I mean, this is that kind of movie, and and there there are just a lot of weird editorial and uh, narrative choices. Like uh, at one point, 
Jaleel White starts hallucinating that the um, the female character is is dead fiance, and they're just like snap out of it, man. And then he's like, oh, oh, okay, and like that never comes up ever again. Um, and I just it, at one point in the third act, I just felt like every like scene would alternate between them being in a helicopter and then being out of a helicopter, and it's like. Jesus, how many times are these guys going to get in and out of this helicopter? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's to to use stereotypical terms, it's cheesy fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, you 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 get the megalodon swallowing a torpedo, um, you know, sinking ships and jumping on on giant carriers and and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I did enjoy this one. Did Trev die? No, uh, no. Uh, I'm still alive. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. I mean, this one is like a definite improvement over it, uh, over the last one, in that even though it's only a year later, I, I'm, it's obvious they took notice of how people really loved that that viral scene from the first one, and this time they seem to be leaning into the, the silliness of it a little bit more. Um, geez, to that end, we should probably point out that this is the one where uh, to promote this movie, they actually made a Doritos commercial for the Super Bowl <laughs> starring Mega Shark, um, which is like, you know, an odd moment of the asylum, uh, really flirting with mainstream fame there. But uh, but yeah, it's, you know, y- you got Jaleel White trying to give a very dramatic performance in a movie called Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus, <laughs> you know, so you know what you're getting into when you watch it. And as bird said, it's, it's a, this one's a perfect kind of like party film to, you don't you don't need to pay that close of attention to it or anything, but just throw it on and get drunk and enjoy and you'll have a good time. Should be mentioned that. Yeah. You mentioned they, they made a Doritos contest to, for that Super Bowl competition, which it is on YouTube. Uh, and in it, the mega shark attacks a Naval fleet. Uh, and, he hears them eating Doritos, and then a helicopter carries a giant Dorito chip over the shark, and the shark jumps up and eats the chip, uh, and then leaves, and everyone celebrates. It's really strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a fun movie. Um, uh, and from what I understand, the Krakosaurus was recycled later as the Gatoroid in the Asylum's Mega Python versus Gatoroid. Hmm. Directed by Mary Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, did we rank this one? No, uh, not yet. Uh, okay, so obviously when we talk about these kinds of movies, we have to rate them on a different scale. They, they need to be graded on a kind of Asylum curve, is what we called it in the Atlantic Rim episode. So, uh, using that... Uh, with that in mind, how how would you rate these? Or this, well, this one, Crocosaurus. Dude, I'm at a, a solid three and a half. It was, it was a fun time. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun, dude. Everything, I can't explain it, but when I sat down, I was like, okay, the first one was just a pile of crap. And this one was just a lot of fun. Like I was just, and actually, I, I think what made it more fun is I did watch it with my wife, and we were just making fun of it and enjoying yeah, it. For yeah, yeah. That's. That I mean, you got to watch them with someone, unless you're yeah, Trev. So who, I'm sure that enhanced the experience. But unless I mean, you're Trev, again, who just watches stuff like this on his own. <laughs> a, you know. I have no shame. 
Um, that said, I don't know, like even like on a, it is a fun movie and I, I, and I am grading these on like an asylum scale. That being said, I'm still just going to give this one a 2.5. I think, uh, it's a, it's an improvement. I give it a whole extra star over the other one, but, um, I'm kind of buffering that based off of the st- the, sc- the score I want to give the next two, right? Yeah. And knowing that I and knowing that I don't like this one as much as those, then I'm just kind of trying to play it safe and say this one's a step in the right direction, but it's not quite to that level of stupidity that I see as perfection yet. Yeah, I, I'm kind of there too. I'm going to give this one a solid enough two and a half, also, just because I know where the series is going. Yeah. Um, I do want to add before we move on to the next one that according to Wikipedia, there is an after credit scene where the uh, uh, the hunter and the um, and Gerald Webb uh, meet on a beach and mention they need to take care of a giant lizard in Japan. Oh boy! So how come we never got that movie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. So. Uh, yeah, uh, so the next one um, is a whopping four years later, Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark. Um, and uh, obviously, if, as you can tell by the title, uh, there, I mean, that's full on Toho influences. You know, eventually you gotta fight the, your robotic double. Um, and uh, it's interesting to. Like, that's the thing about doing a podcast about movies is you find out weird things. Um, for instance, this movie, um, uh, they weren't going to do another uh, Mega Shark movie. And, um, but apparently, uh, <laughs> there was a petition. <laughs> for them to do a, another Mega Shark movie. Uh, and at that point, uh, Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus was born. Uh, isn't that strange? Well, there's something... Okay, so this is going to tie into what we have to say about this film as well. And this is why I think of like... Um, ooh, this is going to sound really weird, but there's an interesting parallel between the Mega Shark series and the Mission Impossible series. <laughs> How long have you been sitting on this? <laughs> well, I, you know, you, what, you, what you often hear people say, uh, including me, is, oh, man, is Mission Impossible like the only franchise that gets better as it goes along consistently? And I'd say, well, haha, no, because there's also Mega Shark. <laughs> and not only that, but I think like the fr- like the first two Mission Impossibles are kind of like these strange outliers now that don't seem to match with the rest of the series. And that might end up being true of Mega Shark as well. And you just said the thing about how this is like a whopping four years later. And what's important to note in terms of if you're going to if you're going to be like a weirdo asylum historian like Bird and I, something very interesting happens to the asylum in between part two and part three. And that's the release of Sharknado. This is the first post Sharknado mega shark film. And that shows in the film itself, because this is now an asylum that knows exactly what they are. They know what pays the bills. And there's no more even like flirting with trying to be like real or, uh, you know, like, hey, let's try to make like a, a serious film. This is a, oh, we know people are wanting to watch these on a Saturday night with some beers and buddies. Let's make that kind of movie. And so this just goes all in in a way that the other two didn't. Yeah, no, uh, 
No, I just yeah. They said um, that the fan response to the Mega Shark series was insane, and there was an online petition, and people were sending them Mega Shark cakes and pictures of homemade figures and kits and stuff. And they were like, you know, it's time we we do another one. Um, and this one was also strange in that uh, this one, um, the writer for this movie for. I don't know, whatever reason, um, was hesitant to do it because he wasn't a fan of the other movies. And uh, he had done The Haunting of Whaley House, he wrote, and he he was concerned about the stigma attached to uh, these movies. And then after Sharknado, he agreed to write the movie. Um, and instead of them giving him an outline to go by, he had to make up the outline. Um, and so that's where we get Mecha Shark. Um, and I guess it took him, the notes I have say nine, something like nine drafts after all the notes from the asylum, like they wanted, uh, the mega shark to destroy the Sphinx, uh, (laughs) and the writer didn't want that, so he tweaked it so the mega shark knocks a tugboat out of the harbor, and then it hits the Sphinx, and the Sphinx's head comes off, which is a a great scene, by the way, um, so, I, think I just gave it a star more in my rating because of that. <laughs> uh, so, and the, then, um, and I know they had to write some scenes to get it up to, you know, the, like a sci fi channel runtime or whatever. Um, so, this one sees uh, Debbie Gibson return. And, um, Trev, you, the, there's a lot of TV people in this. Who else is in this? You have uh, Elizabeth Rahm as your star. She uh, TV fans would know her from both um, Law and Order, SVU, as she had a multi-season run on there, and then she used to be an Angel as well. And then the the male lead in this is Christopher Judge, who is a star of one of the uh, Stargate shows. Uh, okay, so I did the last couple. Who wants to take on uh, giving us a little? Uh, you know what? What's this one about? I mean, I can try uh, this. So this is a this is a different Megalodon. Uh, this is one that uh, same kind of idea. I think it's like in an like it's like frozen at the beginning and it gets uh, it gets freed. And the very first thing it does is destroy the Sphinx. Um, so to kind of like combat this, the our, our main characters are tasked with taking on the Mega Shark with the Mecha Shark. And it's this new kind of submarine that is made to, you know, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's just like Mega Godzilla or Mecha Godzilla. It's a, uh, a giant mechanical version of the Mega Shark. And it's also uh, co-piloted <clears throat> by an AI called Nero. That's kind of like the third main character in this film. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, and inside it is, or, uh, is a smaller Mecha Shark, right? Yes. It, there is actually two Mecha Sharks in this, uh, but now we're like, I don't know. I don't know how important that is other than, you know, it's just more stu- <laughs> stupidity. But uh, but this is it's kind of like I don't, I don't really have a lot to say about the plot. It's kind of just the typical like we got to use the mega shark to battle the mega shark only with the uh, eventual twist that Nero kind of gets uh, like screwed up and the AI goes off and mega mecha shark turns against its creators and becomes an enemy of humanity itself. Doesn't it quote? And, doesn't Nero quote two thousand one? 
I believe it probably does. <laughs> how, how could that not happen? But uh, they eventually have to try and figure out a way to get the mega shark to like, it's kind of like, you know, the enemy of your enemy is your friend. Uh, they need now the mega shark to take down the mecha shark. Cause that seems to be the bigger threat. And uh, also it's important to say, uh, because I, well, boy, I'm going to contradict myself. Cause I just said that the asylum doesn't care about drama anymore, but that's flying in the face of the extreme dramatic arc of our main character who has a drinking problem. Uh, that's a big character piece of this film. And she has to overcome that drinking problem, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, that subplot's <laughs> kind of dropped, but they, uh, yeah. they at least they did um, <laughs> attempt to have uh, some character uh, like drama in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, what, what seems to be at first like, oh, I get it. They're just going to pilot this robotic you know, shark against the mega shark instead turns into uh, a battle against, again, two giant creatures because they lose control of the AI. Yeah. Did you and guys like the part where the, uh, the dubstep music starts playing every time the guy gets on the motorcycle? Well, I'm going to tell you what, uh, my, I still, I, okay. To spoiler alert for, I, I still can't quite decide which one I like more this or part four, but I will say this has my favorite scene in the entire franchise. And that's the motorcycle jump where, uh, <laughs> the guy does not jump. This like a phys- like a so physically impossible motorcycle jump that is just hilarious. And I don't know. I can't imagine if you watch that scene and don't smile or laugh, you have no soul. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, that's that trope that we see in a lot of Godzilla movies as well. Uh, we, we need Godzilla to take out the worst thing. And yeah, that's what happens when Mecha Shark grows, uh, wheels and, Mm -hmm. uh, runs amok, uh, Kuryu style in the city. And then, uh, from there it's, you know, how, how is the Mecha Shark, uh, or the mega shark gonna stop this thing and um i don't think it does does it i think it says a lot that nobody can answer that question directly (laughs) 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 i think they both kind of the the, the they're they're both blown up right yeah yeah Yeah. because they use uh i think they use planes to to blow the mega shark back into the water and then, yeah, and there's a, there's a submarine, basically, that gets exploded during... Like, the submarine blows up everything, because I think it's supposed to be nuclear. Yeah. I believe that's what happens. I know at the end, because, like, Nero... It's not that Nero goes bad. It's that, like, something happens to where, like, uh, the system gets screwed up. But then uh, you think, like, that Nero, like, sacrifices itself. And then at the end, they reveal that uh, the main guy still has, like, Nero on a flash drive. <laughs> yeah, on a, on a flash drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah i think the mega shark bites into the mecha shark and it triggers something and they, they blow up or i i guess i'll go first i remembered this as being my favorite one um and uh i still like it but i the middle part kind of dragged for me when they're going through all the nero stuff um however i will say that uh once they get to the third act um and uh, i mean the the mecha shark is getting thrown towards the the city or uh, the sydney opera house um and the guy is is jumping over it with his motorcycle i'm i was all back in um i don't know i i think that uh 
overall, I do think that these movies get crazier and crazier in the best ways with, with each entry. Um, I know Matt uh, is probably going to dispute that a little bit, but um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a good time. Um, uh, I mean, Debbie Gibson being back isn't really that big of a deal because <laughs> she was such no, a she's kind of she's she's kind of just treated as like an exposition like machine yeah, anyways like yeah extended yeah. cameo kind of deal um but i i actually do like the mecha shark a lot um also i i, I actually think it's a cool design too um it looks like a robot shark but i mean come on that's cool um <clears throat> so when I watched this, I don't know, it didn't really resonate with me, but there are things about this movie that are better than anything in the first film, for sure. Such as the Sphinx getting destroyed by the tugboat knocked across half the world, it seems. And they banned fishing at one point. Not, not like Basically, globally is what happens. So nobody can fish. They say um, that, but then, like, we're constantly we're seeing people on the water. Know, yeah. right? And and do, do you guys remember, there's a scene that it seems like five minutes long, where a news reporter is just interviewing no, a guy. No, it's, it's, it's not five minutes long. It's like, they, they keep doing that scene, but over and over again. Well, that interview probably is five minutes long, but the, the news reporter thing is like a constant bit yeah. throughout the movie. But there's one scene where she's talking to a guy about how he can't fish for, it seems like forever. And then we just never see or hear about that guy well, ever. The guy again. has like an emotional breakdown, I think, and starts like <laughs> crying. He's like, I can't do this anymore, and he runs away. It's... Trev, do you remember that guy? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I also like the part where the husband of the, the lead, Rosie, he's like trying to fix Nero, and his wife is drowning at the same time, and he's like too busy trying to save Nero to like pay attention to her, and she almost dies because of him. I don't know if you guys remember that. He's like trying to, he's fishing for the flash drive and he's trying to, to basically save Nero and the, the whatever system or what, and she's is, drowning. Is that when she's like inside the chum? Like that's like inside. Yeah. It's like a yeah. simultaneous thing. And she's almost dying as he's just too busy worried about trying to fix Nero. It's like, mm-hmm. well, uh, Trev, how do you feel about this one? Uh, this, like I said, this, this might be my favorite one. And I, I, it's, I, it's really tough because like this one and the next one are both like a lot of fun. I feel like there's, I kind of based it off of, I feel like when we recently rewatched both of these, I just felt like there was more moments that made me laugh out loud in this one. Now, if I'm being honest and being fair, the the problem there might be, we watched three and four in the same night (laughs) and it might just be because I watched this one first. And so by the time we watched the next one, I was kind of maybe a little more out of it, but, uh, but I also just think this one is like such a clear improvement over the last two because like the very first thing that happens is that Sphinx scene. So it kind of like puts you in a good mood right away. And uh, I just like there's just any and plus to be fair. Also, you guys know me. I love Mecha uh, anything basically like Mecha Godzilla is my favorite Godzilla foe. And uh, I just don't watch any- the new anime. You know, who's oh, I, I, <laughs> well, I'm not going to. But uh <laughs> But yeah, so this one has a lot working in its favor for me. And uh, I mean, I agree that the, the middle is kind of kind of slow, but I also have like a, a kind of complaint like that about the next one. So I don't know. It's kind of like a wash for me. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I think this one's a blast. I think this is exactly the kind of movie that you want these dumb shark movies to be. And I do think this is um, reminiscent of that kind of better, like later period of the asylum. That's 
you know, yeah, we made this, we made Sharknado and now we know that we're, we have a sense of humor and we're goofy. Yeah. I'm kind of with you there. Um, Matt, what about you? It is a two. It's a regression from the second film, in my opinion. I love some, I like some stuff about it. Mecha shark is admittedly awesome. But the middle dragged for me so much that like it just kind of took me out of enjoying some of the stuff that happens in the climax, minus the dubstep, of course. But like, I mean, it's just one of those things where I didn't get the mileage that could have been there if they had fixed some of that stuff in the middle, such as the drinking problem that's introduced, you know, a third of the way through and they never really talked about much or at all after that point. Yeah. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's kind of what I like, though. It's not like yeah. I want them to have like a hard-hitting portrayal of alcoholism. I mean, I'm, I, I, I get what you're right. I get what you're saying. I'm just and the fact I mean, that it's dropped is one of those just asylum. Yeah. No one drops plot uh, well, devices. It's, it's as good as he pours out her alcohol, and she's all better now, guys. That's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm gonna do a three on this one. Of, of obviously grading on on the uh, curve of the asylum. Uh, movies just being stupid. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't give my score. I would also give it a three. Yeah, or as Tom would like to say, a negative three. And like right. the closer, the further away you get from zero, <laughs> is is better. Yeah, you're heading in like the reverse, like best way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So uh, we'll move on then to Mega Shark versus Colossus, uh, which she's, sees a return of Crocosaurus's director, uh, Christopher Olin Ray. Uh, this was a year later in 2015, um, and it's interesting. Uh, I don't speaking have... of speaking of actors that are too good for something. <laughs> Ooh, mm-hmm. Ileana Douglas. Oh yeah, Ileana Douglas. Who uh, she's been nominated for a couple Oscars, right? Um, she's definitely been nominated for like Emmys and stuff. Yeah, but I but, mean, uh, she was in a long-term relationship with Martin Scorsese. Shows up. Yeah, in, she's in Cape Fear. Yeah, and, yeah, and some of his work. Um, uh, Goodfellas. Yeah. You, you you know her if you see her, and you usually you probably know her as being in really good movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> she stars in this one. Um, so uh, interestingly enough, the well, I, these movies are actually. Uh, have a big uh japanese audience um and so when we get into the colossus itself um uh what was bit well trev you probably would know the answer but i'm gonna ask matt because i know he definitely knows the answer so it's a colossus uh look at the design in japan it was released as mega shark versus the great titan what was huge around 2015 hmm yeah, attack on Titan. <laughs> yes, Attack on Titan. Um, and uh, this this one actually, um, uh, <clears throat> the first marketing for it, I think even the first trailer was a Japanese trailer. Um, and uh, yeah, the Colossus bears an uncanny resemblance uh, to our Colossal Titan. And um, uh, it came out over there around the time that uh, Higuchi's live-action Attack on Titan movies were coming out. Um, so that's an interesting little tidbit. Now, this one is crazy. Uh, this one's insane. Um, so, so basically, a Russian super weapon, which is a giant robot that looks like a, a human without skin, 
uh, is uh, awakened during, I guess the Russians are, what are the Russians doing? <laughs> Someone help it's, me. It's, it's basically, they made They're trying to get mercury. some kind of mercury, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's red mercury that's capable of multiple nuclear detonations, essentially. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's some excavation, expedition, and they awaken the Colossus, which basically just goes ape shit and just seems like it just walks in a straight line and just destroys anything that is in front of it. And, you know, uh, Ileana Douglas is the scientist trying to um, figure out, uh, um, you know, how, how to save the, the mega shark. Cause is it, now, is this the same shark as the last movie? It's a new shark. So okay, so it's another new shark. Uh, it's a new shark. Not only is it a new shark, but we learn in this that like the world is like instituting different plans in case another mega shark shows up. <laughs> like it's become such a consistent problem in the world that like the the world's governments have to like be prepared for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, and then uh, with the characters, it's kind of going back to the first one as in a very um, military versus scientists kind of thing um the interesting thing the fun thing is there's a there's a character that does i guess kind of a heel turn and he ends up getting in control of both the shark and the colossus so it's like the monster zero thing where it's like the monsters are under his control and uh he his his whole thing is he's gonna use the colossus and the mega shark to wipe out the population um to save the environment um so it's like there is his infinity stones and he's he's like thanos yeah (laughs) would you say he has all this all the pathos as as thanos did (laughs) also (laughs) Mm, uh, no um and that's you know that's when we get into the climax um and then eventually the sharks control remote thing is destroyed and uh the shark and the colossus fight each other um and you know that's that's your third act uh and um the shark yeah this one has the the colossus and and the shark sink and then he blows himself up like the iron giant or something um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's mega shark versus colossus so except uh, colossus definitely does use guns nope, yes yes that is true um so uh I'll, I'll defer to matt on this one uh matt what'd you think of mega shark versus colossus dude this movie's awesome loved it i especially love the fact that there's people speaking english that have accents and they subtitle them at least oh, they did man. on the one that I'm, and, and that's no, that's no, that, like yeah, that, that did. Part of no, it. they do that, and I don't really understand why because they aren't like really thick accents, and I could understand everybody just fine. Yeah, I was dying hysterically <laughs> at that, and then also we learned that they know Mega Shark is going to puberty because it's gorging itself. That was that was a factoid that I learned watching this movie. Look, it's <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. You get like. Reject Lisa Ling, rip off Dave Chappelle. You get a guy that looks like Triple H, a knockoff Solly Hawkins character. Um, you have this, you know, scientist. I mean, it, it's your your typical tropes, but the action is so dumb and stupid. Like it's got this very, it's just very charming. At least it was for me, and like I had a blast watching it. Like I said, they get crazier and crazier in the way you want them to, and this movie is like. 
I mean, if this is the last one they ever do, it's like, talk about going out on a high note. Um, Honestly, this is probably one of my favorite Asylum movies, too. Um, I just had a blast, and, uh, you know, this one is also a lot heavier on the creature stuff. Um, You know, you get a lot of the the Mega Shark and the Colossus rampaging and uh, stepping on people and um, just all kinds of insanity. uh, I really, There's one I more really point bird that I want to mention. Sorry, I, I just I realized I left this out. And so at the end of the film, it's there's a sub that launches two nukes, and it's stated that they fly fly at like Mach 18, and the a lady manages for a short time to outrun them on a boat, like a just a typical boat you would take out on like a river or something, which I thought was hysterical because that scene went on for like five minutes. uh yeah i mean this movie's full of stuff like that um uh and yeah i mean this is uh kind of also going back to like that cold war villainizing of the russians (laughs) (laughs) uh uh which the when this movie came out seemed a little bit outdated but it no longer is. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's some other fun stuff. Uh, there's a cosplay troupe on YouTube called Team Unicorn. Um, that's like the hot chicks at the beginning uh, that are um, that Navy Navy team, um, which uh, was was fun because, like, um, for example, their their big concern is uh, if their oxygen destroyer torpedoes are going to damage the environment. I mean, come on. I mean, I know it's easy and it's low-hanging fruit, but that's a fun Easter egg. Um, I was thinking about that. Like, you have, okay, so you have Team Unicorn, who, like you said, they're kind of known as, like, this, like, YouTube group, and here they are in this film playing themselves as, like, a, a, like a special submarine combat unit and then later you have Ileana Douglas who as to reiterate Ileana Douglas was in Goodfellas Ghost World Cape Fear and here she (laughs) finds herself having to have a conversation elevator where she's like well I can't believe Team Unicorn got destroyed by Mega Shark and it's like good lord what's happened to her (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) she's gotta eat man yeah uh yeah no that's that's surreal um so yeah, I mean the Team Unicorn stuff was fun. Oxygen Destroyer references are welcome. Um, you know, it shows that I mean these movies are you know the Asylum's version of kaiju movies, um, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, even the Asylum website had uh, them slated to do a crossover with they they did a Moby Dick movie. People <laughs> Moby. 2012 Moby Dick, I think it's called. 2010. 2010, 2010 with Barry Bostwick, and like they reuse dialogue from the novel and everything, and it's completely insane. And the the whale gets out of the water and starts wa- rampaging around on land at the end. It's it's crazy. Uh, but they were going to do a, a Moby Dick versus Mega Shark, and for whatever reason, uh, they didn't. And instead, they did uh, just their own, just separate movie called The Megalodon with Michael Madsen, which is on Sci Fi this was on sci-fi this week um and that was their like cash in on the meg i feel like now is the prime time to do another mega shark but i don't know is the megalodon i hope that's not just like their reboot and that you know that's it i i, I do want to see more mega shark i'd be down for some more mega shark 
Yeah, I mean, um, I guess I'll say my piece on this one. Um, I, I, I mean, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I, I fully understand how stupid what I'm about to say is going to sound. <laughs> um, but there's a part of me that with this one, my only reservation about Mega Shark versus Colossus, and good lord, I know how stupid this is, but... I think there's something about this one where it kind of loses the thread of being a mega shark movie to a certain degree, because I feel like the stuff with Colossus ah, and there's like, okay. there's this whole like spy movie thing going on. And then Colossus is like this totally different kind of like creation. Yeah. And then you have like this villain who's like taking it over and trying to like hold the world for ransom. And it just felt like mega shark kind of didn't need to be there. I don't know if I, I know that's dumb, but I'm hoping it makes some kind of sense. So, where it's so you're like, pulling the this movie is about Mothra more than Godzilla card. <laughs> yeah, kind of like it kind of feels like its own thing that mega shark is making like a cameo in. And it's not to say that that's a bad thing. It's still a really enjoyable movie. But it, it feels like more tacked on to the franchise in a way where it's just even kind of confusing as to like, why did they choose like this Colossus thing? And like I said, it's clearly just they're trying to cash in on Attack on Titan for the, the Japanese market. But uh, it just feels like an odd follow up to the other ones. But that said, like like you said, like it's it's all fun. And I mean, it's fun from beginning to end. And uh, I'm, I mean, one of my favorite things about the movie is the is that heel turn where the guy turns out to be this like you know <laughs> super villain i think that's great so i don't know i have like a weird reservation about it because of that where i feel like mm, i'm not sure this feels like a mega shark movie but I, i'm not going to hold that too against the film yeah and it should be i mean i should mention i haven't seen their megalodon yet but it just seems like a step like you're going to give us five or th- four crazy movies about megalodons doing crazy stuff and then you're just going to go back to just a a generic megalodon come on well i think like so this is you know you and i have said this before and i'm sure we're not the first people or only people to make this to make this observation but i think the oddest missed opportunity in the asylum canon is that this weekend sees the release of the last sharknado it's about time that's the full title not my own commentary on it but uh (laughs) They're they're wrapping up the Sharknado series at at the right time I think I think six installments is is maybe too too many even but the fact that they the fact that they got out of it without ever doing Mega Sharknado is just so bizarre to me. Like yeah, that's, that's that the crossover. St- they sh- that's staring them in the face the entire time, and I don't know. It's their two Bert, biggest actually, franchises. But I have a theory, Bird, and I and I again this might sound stupid, but I wonder if you'd agree. I wonder if they feel like. Mega Shark just isn't big enough of a franchise to cross over into Sharknado. Like Sharknado has to be its own thing because it's Sharknado's mainstream in a way that nothing else they do is. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That that is still strange. I I want them to do their own destroy all monsters. Mhm. You know, I want to see the Mega Shark, uh the giant octopus, the Gatoroid, the new Mega Python or whatever it's called. Yeah, the, get some of those Mega Piranhas. Five-headed shark. Yeah, I want to see it all the same all, that that's what they should be doing but uh, and then have them all fight the the avengers grim yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all right so uh mega shark versus colossus what we're gonna uh rate this on um uh uh geez um how many confused Ileana douglas's do you give this <laughs> out of five there are two things in this movie that we haven't mentioned yet. One is the mega shark actually knocks one of the unicorn ships out of the air into the um, Jesus or Christ the Redeemer statue in Brazil, oh, yeah. which yeah, blows it up, which was hilarious. Yeah, that's the beginning. And then the other thing that happens in this film, and one of the reasons I loved it so much, there's a um, 
the a plane flies to the Colossus with an American flag to distract Colossus because Colossus is clearly Russian. And then the flag is severed and actually falls on Megashark's face as he's trying to jump in the air and attack the plane. So the U.S. flag saves the plane and distracts the Russians. And it's really funny. And I laughed so much during that part. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff about this movie that I loved. And so I gave um, Crocosaurus three and a half. I like this one even more. So I got to go four. Confused. Whatever her name is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give this four out of five or, uh, on the, uh, our friend Tom on his scale, this would be a negative four where, Correct. uh, zero yeah, is negative. just awful, but the further away you get from zero, it's so bad. It's good. And this is uh four or negative four. Uh, this movie is a blast and, um, I actually really, en- re- really enjoyed rewatching all four of these. I, I do like them. And like I said, I mean, hopefully they, they resurrected at some point. Uh, that Moby Dick one sounded. I was all in, and then I got some Michael Madsen crap instead. But Trev, what you got? Um, well, this is interesting because you know, like I said, I was writing it. I was riding into this thinking, like, no, I like the third one more, and 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 I just said my piece about how I'm not sure this is like a great Mega Shark movie, but it's definitely a great Colossus movie. And uh, as I'm talking, you know what? I realized there's another thing. But Matt, because you just pointed out two things we forgot to talk about, but there's another thing we forgot to mention for this movie, and that's that there's a point where Mega Shark is thrown into outer space and <laughs> fall, and, and and falls back down and is fine, like and with like nothing is wrong with it. So that being said, I guess I do have to give this three and a half and give this one the highest score. Uh, I'm not ready to like you guys to go nuts and give any of these four, but uh, <laughs> it's a but, negative four, right? Let's but, get it but, straight. But this one definitely deserves a three and a half because yeah, this one, I mean, like there's a part of me that likes the third one a little bit more as a mega shark film, but uh, because I like the mecha shark as, as you know, whatever I've already explained it, but if you only have to watch one of these and you just want like a total goofy, good time, this is the one to go for. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you are all about that mecha, though. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, that's the Mega Shark movies. They're wacky. They're fun. Uh, they're not like good movies, but I mean, I think some people listening to this would be able to appreciate a dumb, bad, fun B movies. Um, and I will be honest, uh, they go to crazy places that I wish the Meg did. Um. Uh, yeah, and, well, we rec- recommended a whole bunch of shark movies at the beginning, but I, I do want to reiterate, if you want to get in, watch a, a movie about a megalodon, just a giant prehistoric dinosaur-sized shark, start with Shark Attack 3 Megalodon. Because it's that good. Agreed. Um, alright, are, are we are we good here, guys? we're good all right cool yeah. uh well you know what i always we always forget to do this follow us on facebook uh our newly i guess resurrected question mark instagram uh at matt what is, is it kaiju matt what's our handle for instagram i don't even know it is, it's kaiju transmission okay and then on twitter we are kt underscore podcast correct all right and then if you want to uh find trev here um he hosts the excellent x-men podcast days of future podcast and uh me and him have a back catalog of podcasts under if it bleeds we can kill it there's something like six seven years of podcasts in there so if you can't get enough of us 
We're all over the place. Yeah, if you really want to hear us review some great movie releases from seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, you, if you want to hear us talk about the Avengers, <laughs> <laughs> you know where to go. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, um, that's all for now. Um, and yeah, we will uh, uh, see you guys next time. See ya.